Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm your host, Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we bring you Munich from 2005, directed by Steven Spielberg. You know what kept running through my head the whole time I was watching this movie, Matthew? Uh-oh. Well, is it, are we going to get in trouble? What is it? Oh, we're getting in trouble. Uh, There's okay. no question we're getting in trouble. We know who <laughs> controls there the media. There can't possibly be controversy with this movie about the Israeli-Palestinian <laughs> conflict and all the assassinations and killings. Come on! <laughs> nah, this is totally fine. No controversy whatsoever in this film. <laughs> Smooth sailing. <laughs> we're going to get pulled. <laughs> this today. is the one. This Here is the are. one. I just Episode kept thinking, 300. <clears throat> well, the song just keep a, a song, I guess you could say, Matthew, just kept entering my head. <laughs> All right. And it went like this. If I was a Mossad, bang, 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 shoot, 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 you. Boo, do, 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 do. That's all I thought of the whole time. <laughs> wow. Like so, instead um, of a poor milkman, it- it's <laughs> instead of a poor Jewish milkman, it's just a revenge, like a Jew revenge song. That's I'm it. looking for what's the name of that song on the John Williams uh, soundtrack? <laughs> I'm looking for it. It's called. I don't, oh shit! Bang 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 bang! Goes the Jew. If I was a Mossad, shoo shoo shoot up all the bad guys who killed all the Jews. Bang 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 bang! Oh, I gotta clean my room. I don't know. <laughs> Something what? like this. I don't know. <laughs> all right, that's happening. Well, I feel you. Yeah, I feel that. And I'm not, they're really not going to have cool voices. You understand this, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a stopping point somewhere, huh? Nah. Oh, not going to have cool voices this week. They're all going to talk like this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they shot up the boys over there. We got to get them. Get them. Go and get them. Yep. That's what it Bring is. Bring back the scalps. Yep. I appreciate their frugal nature, too, in this. Like, do you know how much it costs to find these terrorists? Uh, but it's Spielberg, so he can do that. I need right. fucking receipts over here. Ugh. But I slam my book and spray receipts everywhere theatrically. Yep. I got two that bar to be- mitzvahs to get to between shoe and Palestinians. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we're, we're going over budget. <laughs> oh, Spielberg. If your name wasn't Spielberg. <laughs> it, yeah, of course. Well, oh, fuck. That's this movie, basically, in a nutshell. <laughs> That's it. That's the, with the basically, tone, the, yeah. uh, the thematic quality, right. we've captured it. I think we're in. I think we've sort of landed where this one's going to be. <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Had you seen this movie before? Yes, once. Only once? I know. Okay. It's been a hot minute. Damn. I know. Did you see it right around when it came out? The thing that really confused me about this movie is when he got really mad, I don't know why he didn't turn into the Incredible Hulk. Right? What the I was fuck? expecting that little, the whole time, especially when he was humping down. his wife. Remember when he cry humps his wife at the end? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it. No comment. Just, yeah, I remember when. I just thought he, that he had the Hulk face. Uh, it was, That kind of what you could splice that into his Hulk transformation and you wouldn't even catch it. You'd just be like, ah, it's, he's either coming or becoming the Hulk. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes, baby. You know it. Every time, but boy, oh boy. So honestly, for a good, long, probably five, six, seven year stretch, 
This was my single favorite movie. I fucking loved this movie. I have, God, I've probably seen this movie a good 20 times. This is probably, yeah, maybe viewing 23, 24, maybe up in there. I have watched the shit out of this movie. Was the first viewing at your bar mitzvah? Yes, actually, that was, it was the gift uh, before I was ridden on a chair. Um, (laughs) And as you can see, I don't even know what that's called (laughs) because I'm a piece of shit. Well, Mazel Tov to you, sir. Mazel Tov. Yep. But boy, howdy. What a depressing... This is this has got to be up there with uh, fucking among the most depressing Spielberg movies. Damn, what a bummer. It's a bummer. It is definitely a sad one. Heavy. Heavy, yeah. Through and through. I mean, what do you think about... I mean, so what do you think about the movie just in general? I, I As a just a film, I think it's fucking excellent. I, I think this is one of Spielberg's, genuinely one of his best. I think it's an incredibly well-made movie. Um, just the, all of it, the tone, the, the, the sequences of them actually stalking people and how it, these kind of like Hitchcockian sequences of them following and the, the use of sound in this movie is fucking killer. Uh, I can't wait to talk about some of that, man. I think stylistically, it's just fucking beautiful and and nails it nails down this like kind of you know unstable but dreary tone where you're not sure how things are going to play out pretty much from jump uh i think it's i think it's it's a fantastic exercise in tone in in things slowly getting darker more confined more frightening really i think it's it's a it's amazing man i i'm very very high on this movie if you can't tell that's awesome a uh, quick apology to the live chat. Um, I am playing with, I have some new equipment and um, I, um, what am I trying to say? I kind of fucked up. So you guys should be good now. I apologize that you were hearing the uh, movie the whole time we were talking at a loud volume. Oh. Yeah. Whoopsie. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Sorry about that there, dudes. My learning fault. curves. Yeah. Learning curves for sure. That was one thing I didn't anticipate, but I see it coming through on uh, on the focus right side of things. So what I'm going to do now is play it, and now you shouldn't hear it, and I should see it moving. Yep. Okay, we're good. So I oopsies. But you hear that, right, Matt? I do. All right, cool. So I apologize. Um, did a whole uh, did a whole unplug everything, replug everything in, rehook up everything up. Um, I got this Focusrite 18i20 machine, and it's and it's being used in place of a mixer. It's a very sophisticated piece of equipment that basically confounded me for four fucking days. Yeah. Um, I was up till three o'clock in the morning yesterday. <clears throat> oh yeah. And at two fifty, when I figured out what was what what I couldn't figure out for the days prior, I leaned back in my chair. I looked up at my unfinished basement, and I yelled, "Yes, <laughs> never fucking give up." That's what I did. <laughs> it was a, and, it was a good and moment. in your soaring joy of victory, you picked it up and slammed it down on the desk, and then realized you broke it. Oops. Yep. So Damn. there's a couple of tiny little hitches here and there, like that, like not realizing it was coming through on the desktop side of things. So I apologize. Um, I got a lot of meters to look at now. I can barely <laughs> podcast. I have to be an, a sound engineer at this point. Oh, we got to hire a producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, or demo money, Josh, don't. I don't know. Put him back in the back in the producer chair. <laughs> <laughs> he might prefer that. <laughs> um, all right, so let's uh, let's let's get cracking. Yeah, let's get into this baby. So you think it's one of his best? You like it tonally? I'm sorry, we were a little interrupted by that snafu. Can you just resummarize yeah. your thoughts? 
<laughs> uh, to put it succinctly, yeah. very high on this movie. I think it's one of Spielberg's, one of his best movies. I mean, he's made a plenty of fucking killer movies, so it's hard to even get into that and rank them. But I, I rate it highly, personally. Um, and I think just the tone of the thing is incredible. I think it's an incredible spy movie. I, I, one thing I like about it, just real quick, is that it has the feel, especially in the first you know, 30, 35 minutes or so, of a spy movie, of very like wet works, cloak and dagger. Everybody's kind of after each other and can't trust who. But at the end of the day, it kind of unfolds into a different feeling thing. It does not feel like a Bond movie by the end of this, nowhere close. Um, and I appreciate that. I think it, it tells a very interesting story about how history affects us all and how it affects the world going forward. I think it's it's pretty powerful. It's a strong movie. And I'm, I'm, I rate it very highly personally. It taught me that we will just keep killing each other. <laughs> basically. That's basically what I've learned since by watching this movie. Yeah. That the yeah, killing that's, uh, basically never is going to end. Pretty much. I mean, hey, as a race, we're real good at it. We're, we figured out lots of inventive ways to blow each other apart. Yeah. Um, I got a question for you. Do you remember why we're covering this movie? If not, you're pretty much going to be an embarrassment. It is indeed a bounty. Mm-hmm. For you. Indeed. You don't remember who bought it for you, though, did you? I don't. Because uh, it was like nine you, months ago, if not longer. You should look on your calendar. I don't want to hear nine months. I don't care if it's nine fucking years. You circle the day and you write down, bounty for me, Munich. Purchased for me. By listeners. And then you write down their fucking names, right? Take five minutes when you're not directing traffic in Portland. And get (laughs) your fucking names down. And I'm not bailing you out. So sorry to all you people who bounty this for him. I'm a piece of shit. But I'm a grateful piece of shit. You can fuck right off, apparently. (laughs) But um, now they're going to come for you, the Mossad agents. By the way, how far have they fallen? Now they just intimidate women that Ivory Weinstein humped? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> all right, I want those elite skills to hunt down all those broads who don't let me shove it in them. Can you believe they didn't like my circumcised prick? <laughs> I, I want, want you to go after Assassination <laughs> skills to hunt down these actresses and make them feel shitty. I'm, I, I'm ways what I want you to do. First of all, I'm too cheap to buy his guns. So I'm going to give you a little <laughs> silencer tube. And after you shoot him, I want you to leave their dirty, wormy pusses out for everyone to see. That's it. That's what Get I want to you work. to Get out there and do that. Do that <laughs> for your me. expense account. <laughs> all right. Uh, how much? How much are we talking? <laughs> but um, crazy opening. Dude. It's incredible, uh, and I know there was a there's a ton of uh, the historical authenticity of the yes, overall that's, movie. That's what it's I need a little, to know. What's that? I, I need to know that stuff. I'm that, assuming yeah, you I do mean, you've as far as so the actual times. operation goes, there's, I mean, there are holes in it for one, just because some of it is still not declassified, but uh, a lot of it is pretty solid. But as far as the actual operation of hunting the guys down, that gets a little more in the fictional territory. But the recreation of the actual uh, Munich terrorist attack is pretty much exactly how it happened. Uh, like, they nailed that down. That's of course. very much the way of things course. unfolded. Spielberg's yeah. telling the story. That's it. They got it's the got fucking part fucking... where the, the terrorists <laughs> wasted everybody perfectly and all their horrors. Exactly. But they didn't get all the fucking innocent bodies that these guys racked up in their revenge mission, right? Of course. Right? Of course. Yeah. I'm seeing this now. 
Right. <laughs> are we, are, uh, Spielberg, are we going to go ahead and capture the weeping mothers and orphan children? Ah, that's a different movies. Fuck that. Nah, nah, nah. None of the innocents that got caught up in this. Yeah, you're telling me not a one. You sure? Not can we, one. Can we read the reports on this? Oh, God. <laughs> no, I know the, the guy they talk about throughout the movie, the one of the main uh, PLO guys they didn't get, Salome. Uh, they did get him uh, with a car bomb back in uh, 1979, a few years after this. Uh, and that also killed four innocent bystanders and injured 18 other innocent people. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, all in the name of justice, right? Ah, Here's yeah. the way I look at it. You're gonna, fu- how many, I mean, you're making an omelet. You gotta break some eggs. That's how it goes, baby. You know, this is, this is national policy of revenge. Yep, absolutely. I'm just saying, I mean, if it's, you know, if it's some fucking broad walking down the street and she takes a bunch of shrapnel in the throat and face and has nothing to do with it, sometimes you got to send a message, you know? <laughs> Shouldn't have been walking, I guess. Hey, whatever. Yeah, you got it. You sometimes you got to, if you may, I don't know about you, but I use a lot of eggs in an omelet. If I'm feeling really hungry that day. <laughs> Big old hungry boy. So yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is that if if you have if you have the required appetite, you may break as many eggs as you see fit until you satiate <laughs> your appetite. But here's the thing about omelets: you're gonna be hungry in a few more hours. You're gonna have to break some more fucking eggs pretty soon. You don't even like the eggs. I'm gonna keep going with this, Matt. Pretty soon, you don't even fucking like the eggs anymore. You need something different, something more, something <laughs> a little more break. exotic, as it were, an ostrich egg. Perhaps, yes, perhaps, perhaps an ostrich eater. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to fucking say. But uh, it's a fucking mess. It's a goddamn mess. <laughs> it is a fucking mess, dude. Um, and as far as, as far as you know, just the opening goes to, I, I didn't find out whether this moment actually happened where a group of other athletes actually helped the guys over the fence. I would not be surprised if that did actually go down. I know they meticulously researched uh, the whole incident. But fucking crazy. These dudes climbing up Dude. a fence, can't quite get over. And a couple of just hapless other you know, Olympic athletes. Oh, hey, you guys are your hand? All right. Have a good. Yeah. Dude, fucking dark. Yep. I wonder, what, I wonder why he decided to shoot it in a sense to where it was, we're going to keep going back to it and just show it, instead of just showing the whole thing. Um, what do you think about that? For me, I think it's more, <clears throat> it was there in that way to kind of show. Continuously Abner, remind you why they're wasting people. Right, or for Avner, I, I think it's him going back to it in his head, being like, this is why we're doing this, this is why we're doing this, like re- replaying it in his mind. And also, I'm sure because he's Mossad, he was probably privy to the horrible details of how it actually went down, unlike, because, you know, in the beginning, we see them, you know, very much, we were like in their perspective as they're, as they're going into the room of the Israeli athletes, and once they take them, but then it kind of shifts into media coverage, and it, you're just seeing what everybody else, what you would be see as an everyday person catching the, you know, the events as they unfold on the news, and it's not until later in the movie that we start to see that on the ground, in the room with these guys' perspective again, and just how fucking awful it was, um, and I think that's important for Avner as a character, he probably did get a briefing on the real details of how it all played out, and that was probably a part of connecting names. Uh, and so, yeah, that's probably running in his head on a you know fairly constant loop of, all right, this is what happened. This is why we're doing this. This is the justification for the gnarly things I'm doing. Right. Wow, this is pretty dark. <clears throat> so I'm looking at the um, at the actual hostage taking incident, mm-hmm. and oh boy, yeah, guess what bro- they watched. What do you mean? The, the terrorists? The athletes after a night uh, out. Oh, God, I don't know. Fiddler on the roof. 
Oh, Jesus. And I was just mockingly singing that song at the start of this episode. Whoopsie. <laughs> Oops. Bing, 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 shoo, 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 shoo. But I was saying that from the perspective of the Mossad. That's right. Just to make that clear. <laughs> Happily gunning down all of these PLO dudes. Hey, all my lights went off and there were men here with night vision goggles. Nice no, knowing you. Well, piano wire feels weird. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Oh, man. September 4th, Israeli athletes enjoyed a night out watching performance of Fiddler on the Roof and dining with the star of the play, Israeli actor Shmuel Rodensky, Ooh. before returning to the Olympic Village. On the return trip, the team bus, Lalkin denied his 13-year-old son, had befriended a weightlifter, blah, blah, blah. Local time athletes slept, ate tracksuit, cl- tracksuits. Oh, yeah, that was 70s. Fucking, that was before Sopranos. Um Black September Faction, Palestinian Liberation Organization, PLO, carry duffel bags with AKMs, Tokarev pistols, grenades, skilled two-meter chain-link fence with assistance of unsuspecting athletes who were sneaking into the Olympic Village. The athletes were originally identified as Americans, but were claimed to be Canadians. Damn Canucks. Look what you did. Classic. See that? Being so goddamn polite, you let fucking terrorists in. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> well, right, you know so what? How many I'm sorry that happened there, but we're going to live and die on our politeness there, okay? I, I, so, I, it's uh, just, just common courtesy there, bud. I mean, that's what it's not our fault that they uh, took the axe in their own hands there. That's uh, not on us, okay? It's uh, not on you, me there, bud. Do you need a ride or some beer money? <laughs> uh, once inside the Black Spermers, you stolen Key Center two apartments being used by the Israeli team. Um, I'm not going to read this whole fucking thing. No. Yeah, but dude, the, the intensity. Nine hostages, goddamn. Right. Um, and Some of these images another, are right, like they took them right out of the film. There's this did, image dude. of this dude with the, the- balcony? Yeah, on the balcony. Yeah, they recreated that exactly. Crazy, man. Um, because they were, that's another reality, you know, a piece of the reality was the terrorists were actually watching the news coverage of the situation in their room. And that's how they, they thwarted some of the, the German police trying to set up, you know, sniper positions and things like that. They were like, we fucking see you on TV. <laughs> Don't do this. I'm like, oops, the media already fucking shit up. Mm. It was uh, during 1972 Munich Olympics in West Germany, the good Germany. You heard me, commies. <laughs> in which the Palestinian terrorist group Black September took 11 Israeli Olympic team members hostage and killed them along with a West German police officer. Um, Black September spokesman demanded that 234 Palestinian prisoners dared in Israel and and the West German-held founders of the Red Army faction, Andreas Bader, Ulrike Meinhof. Um, boy, what a fucking mess. Terrible, yeah. man. Terrible. <laughs> and one of the things I, I feel like this movie also does very, very well is portraying the violence very realistically and chaotically. And, and, I, and part of what I mean by that is even moments of weird calm in the middle of the fray, which I think is very actually realistic. Like the moment when these guys are you know breaking in through the door and pushing open the door and some of the athletes are trying to hold it back and one guy even comes at him and they shoot him in the face and it just goes through his cheek and he just stands there. He just stops and, and blood starts to run out of his cheek and they just walk up to him and tell him like, all right, sit down. And that's it. Like, it's like a weird moment of calm after heinous violence. Uh, and that kind of clash, I think, is is realistic. Like, it's a, it's a bizarre, crazy situation that none of these people have faced before. And it's all just happening. And and their reactions, I think, are genuinely stunned and, and confused and terrified. I think it's incredibly realistic. Yeah. It's pretty wild, man. It's a, it's a, it's a hell of an opening. 
And I like all the stock footage and stuff. That's pretty awesome. I agree. I think it's used really well. Yeah, I like it puts that. you in that moment, and it puts and it really reminds you too because we even see you know families in Tel Aviv and Israel watching it. We see people in uh, Palestine watching it. You know, all over the world, everybody. This is one of those big, gigantic news stories that took over the world for two days, and everyone was paying attention to this. Uh, and I think that's part of a, a good choice aesthetically too of showing the view literally on the TVs. We're like seeing TVs coverage of this, and the world's entire attention fixed on it. And I think that's a big, you know, an, an interesting aspect to that I think it deserves talking about is how I'm not sure the operation to take out these guys and, and you know, the audacity of it all and, and the intensity of it would have been as much in a world before TV coverage. I think this happening at the Olympics, which is obviously a choice by the, you know, the terrorists, by PLO to call the biggest attention possible, make the whole world watch. But it's happening at the Olympics. It's happening on live TV, and everyone all over the world is seeing it. I think that kind of pressure made the Israeli government think we really, really have to respond big because everyone's watching. Everyone's looking at us and thinking, what will you guys do now? Um, and I think that that media coverage highlights that and, and f- expands that even more. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I found truly fascinating about this movie is that and, – and I do want to keep this – relevant to current political climates because I know that sometimes murder and stuff is bad, but we also know that things exist much worse than murder. First of all, saying the wrong word sometimes is treated very terribly. Um, and in this particular film, I, I, um, I have a freeze frame up and I want to say that I find it very, very offensive that one of these PLO people, you know, that murdered a bunch of people, but what really offends me, not the murder, what really offends me is that he has blackface. Oh, God. Unheard of. It's crazy that how, how much to my core that bothers me, more than, say, senseless <laughs> violence and killing. Um, and I'm just not sure how to reconcile that. I'm hoping you can help me today, Matthew. What, what kind of advice do you have for me sitting here deeply offended um, well, I mean, in I my think, American course, home? Indeed, in your warm, Surrounded by American technology. <laughs> so could you please help me reconcile my feelings because I, I gotta be honest with you, man, it's really bumming me out. Okay, oh, they're there. They're um, there. Like I get it, people died, but like he didn't have to paint his face black. I I think Dean, it's only reasonable <laughs> for you to try and reach out to his family and okay. absolutely demand yep. a, a letter of apology to you personally. Um, okay, you deserve that. I think you earned that. Walk your truth. Okay, uh, I think that's, I'm gonna live my that's truth. Right okay, <laughs> live it, stomp it. Sorry, right, man. Okay. <sighs> Oh, Shake off those tears and okay. demand an apology from these terrorists for you and only you. I, mean, I think it's only right. Like, I understand, like, they shoot bombs on you and you shoot bombs on them. And, like, that's terrible. And, like, babies die and shit and people get their faces blown off and their loved ones die. And for generations, they lose entire family members. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this really bothered me. And I'm just <laughs> – and, I mean, he even has on a hat. It's almost like he's mocking a character in Fat Albert. It really is offensive. <laughs> How dare you be mush mouth, sir? So <laughs> you're not mush mouth. I'm just saying. I appreciate you walking me through that. I've gathered myself. Okay. I took a sip, and I think I'm ready to continue with the movie. And I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And I, I, I do hope you will come back for next week's tarot reading. I, I 100% will. I, I have a feeling. Um, I have good things in my future, and I think that way because of how deeply I felt for the offensive nature of it. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I think that says something about me as a person that it bothered me so much. I think when, it says that you're not only a good person, but the best person, Dean. I think I'm close. I mean, there's even a moment where there's this horrific image of a man down having been shot in the back by 7.62 millimeter rounds, multiple ones in his lower back. And yes, I get it. That's that's tragic and sad, but it's not the same. <laughs> it's just not. And I'm just What about glad. your pain? Yeah, exactly. Does anyone ever think of my pain? No. But here I am to tell you that it's true and real and virtuous, actually. Virtuous. That's pro- probably the most important thing is the virtue inherent in how I feel right now. Yes, in that exactly. If I don't share it with people, somehow I can't live my truth. So thank right. you. Because your comment on the situation matters. It matters. It's awesome. So thank you. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> You're fucking a really good friend right now. I know. I'm fucking a very good friend. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> well, um, it's chaos, man. It's it's um it's madness. But I want to I, I think we get past the hoopla and the chaos and all the terrible things that happened. And um we whoa, what about the misreporting? Dude, talk to that's me about that. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. The early initial reports at, before the, the PLO guys and the hostages were you know to board these helicopters was that the German police were able to take out the terrorists, uh, which was partially true. They did kill all the terrorists, but evidently in the first initial reports, it got lost that, yeah, the terrorists were killed by the police, but they were able to kill all of the hostages first. And they actually were reporting initially that, oh, the terrorists are dead and the hostages are free. Everyone's fine. And then had to come back on with a fucking correction. Right. I can't imagine having to be in that dude's shoes and deliver that news. Hey, everybody, you just you know had a wave of relief and, and, right. and happiness. Right. Uh, by the way, don't cash that check. Uh, they're all gone. All of them. They're all dead. Fucking horrible, man. Brutal. Yeah, man, it's fucking brutal. It really is. It's terrible. Miss, inf- miss, not even on purpose. It just, right? I, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a fuck yeah, up. Right. And, and I feel like that's, again, another yeah, maybe commentary on, on media of rushing to be the first in a, to report a story for the, the fame and glory of getting the story first when that's a great truth point. hasn't even fucking emerged yet. Yeah, that's a great which point. Which drives me crazy. That's a great point, man. How do you even think about that? But, um, yeah. man, these, these guys, these generals, like 10 generals. Yeah, sitting around the prime minister, Golda Meir. Oof. Yeah, Some, they tried to kill her. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure. I did I don't know the specifics, but I I'm pretty sure during actually, this time I thought I thought there was a failed assassination attempt on her. I could be wrong, but I thought there were a couple. Um not necessarily yeah, I all, be right surprised. around the same time, but yeah, yeah, there were definitely some attempts. Yeah. But um yeah, there's some um there's there's moments of dialogue here where, you know, <laughs> our greatest our greatest hopes and our worst fears are seldom realized. Our worst fears have been realized tonight. Mm-hmm. Now said that there were 11 hostages, two were killed in their rooms, and I think he says nine more or something killed yeah, at the killed airport. The, the, exactly. Which we see later, obviously the end. Right. Towards the very end. They're all gone. Ugh, it's so brutal. Man, that shot of um, Banna just brewing as he hears it. Right, right. So awesome. Knowing that he's probably going to be, at least in some way, wrapped up in this. Yeah, the poor man's Dean, I call him. <laughs> the poor man's Dean. Oh, wait, maybe Dude, I, I don't care what anybody maybe says. I, I like Eric. I like Eric Bana a lot. I Me feel too. like he's an actor who does not get enough leading man work. I think he's really good. Yeah, well, sometimes you end up on a podcast when you don't have those Brad Pitt looks, bro. 
You know, we can't all look like <laughs> Coming Josh. Back to That's you just from life. Eric Bada's basement. You know, we can't all look like JB over there. It's just not the way it goes. You got to work what you got, pal. It's true. Got to <clears> work it. Anyway, um, this fucking dumping the names of the dead. Ooh. Damn, dude. Yeah, there, there. That's one thing that that Spielberg loves. Uh, it actually reminded me of that. Did you ever see War Horse? No. Actually, pretty. Is that damn the good one move. with Viggo Mortensen? Or- uh, no, no. I think I think you're thinking of Hidalgo. Hidalgo. Uh, Hidalgo. That's right. <laughs> um, but no, this was uh, the World War One movie that uh, Spielberg made a couple years back. Not that long ago, actually. Maybe four or five years. Um, World War One movie. It's actually pretty damn good. But there's a great sequence of seeing mounted cavalry charge. You know, the way he films it is that they're charging from the right side of the screen to the left, like going across it. And then he cuts to the German guns. All you know, cuts to their position, and they're on the left side of the screen, just firing forward. And then it cuts back to the mounted cavalry, and it's just empty horses running by. And you're like, Oof. holy shit! They all just got cut down. Um, and that kind of cross cutting, that moment of where, where the news is sitting there saying all of the Israeli athletes' names who died, and we cross cut back to them laying out the pictures of this PLO guy, this PLO guy, these are the ones who were planning it or involved with it, and we are going to fucking kill him. Uh, he's, he loves that, and I think it works really well here. That's wild. Of dead for dead. Like, this is basically what we're saying. Life for life. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, you know, they, they, we start with the victims. Exactly. And then just, they start dumping down the guys responsible. Wild Zueta, Dr. Basil Al-Kubasi. Kamal Nazir, Mark Slavin, Amitsu Shapira. Oh no, those are the those are the good guys. David Berger, good guys, right? Good guys and bad guys. I'm taking sides. Picking sides. <laughs> well, dead guys and alive guys. Pretty much. Yeah. At this point. I mean, let's be real. They're athletes. They got murdered. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't it's get more complicated horrible. than that. By the way, his wife? Yeah. Smoke show? Yeah. She's 100%. pretty girl. How come I don't girl. know who she is? I, yeah, I was actually thinking about that too this time around. I'm like, huh, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Uh, and she's good. She's really good. Yeah. She doesn't get to do much, but it's yeah, to be expected in a film like this. Right. Just the focus of it is just naturally going to be on this horrible operation. Right. That Avner's involved in. Avna. And he he kind of knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he knows he's going to be involved somehow. He's in, of course, he's an active field person in Mossad. He's like, okay, we're about to get fucking orders coming down the line. Right. Exactly. And um, yeah, Mossad, if you don't know, is an intelligence community. Yeah, it's essentially the CIA of Israel. Right. There you go. Now you know. You'll learn all kinds of things tonight, guys. <laughs> we're going to teach you. And this is the moment with Goldemir, right? That is it. And this is where they're talking about we need a response, a response that people will pay attention to, basically. And, you know, we even have a a general saying, you know, we did. We responded. We we bombed guerrilla training centers. That's a response. Uh, And honestly, dude, a line here, which is actually pretty crazy. I'm like, oh, just to think about this. Like, let's not take away from the awful atrocity of what happened to those poor athletes who absolutely were just innocent fucking victims. But nine or 11 athletes killed. The Israeli response, even before oper- this operation, yeah. killed 60 Arabs. He said 60 Arabs dead at least. Mm-hmm. Who knows how many wounded? I'm like, wow, man. Wow. You quadru- more than quadrupled the fucking numbers? Not playing, Holy bro. shit. Um, Interesting. Let's have a little listen to this clip from her. Let me hit the button here. Bear with me. Ambushed and slaughtered again. Here we go. 
while the rest of the world is playing games, Olympic torches and brass bands and dead Jews in Germany. And the world couldn't care less. We've responded. We sent 70 fighters. Response no one heard. Airstrikes on guerrilla training centers, that's a response. No one notices what happens in the border camps. 60 Arabs dead at least. Who knows how many wounded? This is about fixing the world's attention. Well, it's not. Crazy, man. Listen to that. This is about fixing the yep. world's attention. Yep. Think about it, because they're not even talking about it from a military perspective or a moral one. They're saying, well, we have to look a certain way in front of the world. Mm-hmm. It's a reputation thing, man. Yeah, man. I'm playing Which, around. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It matters. That does, in the world of politics, reputation is a, a tangible thing that matters. But at the same time, when you're just so casually talking about killing literally dozens of people mm-hmm. like hey we, we gotta we gotta do that for the look like yikes man that is a weird context to be talking about that in yeah man it's uh it's this is just one of those where i don't have the i don't have the expertise nor do i even think i have the capacity to make any kind of moral judgment here right i kind of right. don't is like it? doing that anyway in general but right killing is not good in any, right. no matter how you slice it, you know. And I think, I mean, I would even still argue that even killings that I would maybe argue as justifiable are still inherently grotesque. I mean, you're killing somebody. I mean, it's never pretty or nice or good. Yeah, uh, you know, there are times just, where I think to myself, and thank God I've never had to be in this position, that there are times where I feel like, I wonder if I would ever even care if I had to kill someone in a certain situation and then I think of other situations where I'm like, wow, that would really haunt me forever. You know what I mean? It's a fucking oh, weird totally. thing to think about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, like I see things and I viscerally react to them. And, and I think I, it wouldn't have bothered me. Like, did you see the video of the guy kicking that 75-year-old woman on the, on the train? Oh, kicking Jesus, her in the head no. like multiple times. Some Fuck. old lady, yeah, was being filmed by a bunch of people. It was on World Star Hip Hop. And he just like boots her in the face. And then he does it again. Jesus. He stomps at her. And I'm like, what the fuck? Fuck. Does anyone kick that nope. guy's fucking ass? Okay, nope. that sucks. So it's a short video. So again, what I don't want to do is make any mistakes and make any assumptions. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what happened afterward. Maybe before she shot his friend. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> right, think yeah. so. But I don't know what happened before and I don't know what happened. And I don't even know if I want to make a moral judgment on it. But I just want to say that if she pulled a pistol out of her purse and shot him in the face, I would have been like, I don't care. <laughs> I feel I mean, nothing yeah. for you. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like that's a totally. situation where I totally, even if I saw it in a video, I'm like, whoa, that was wild. And I go, well, I mean, you were kicking her in the head. So, and she's 70 something. And I just, I was like, if she would have pulled a gun out and shot him in the face, I wouldn't fucking care. That's fucked up to say about another person. But I'm just like, right. that's a situation where I'm like, ugh, God. But then I see terrible shit. Like, you know, I'll see a video of like two guys getting a street fight whatever, it's crazy. One guy gets you, beats hits the other guy, knocks him out, he goes down. And then he just punting him in the head while he's unconscious. And I'm like, that dude is a psychopath. Yikes. I mean, it's over. He's done. Maybe you boot him once, but dude, to keep stomping, stomping on his head, the guy got arrested for attempted murder because it was someplace in San Francisco. And I was like, holy shit. That is fucked up, which is crazy. Because in the other situation, I think the problem I have with it is just in the disparity of force. I, I have this underdog thing, you know, like oh, the totally. 70-something-year-old yeah. lady getting booted in the face. That's fucked up. Um, yeah, and there's another one. They fucking 
off-duty police chick. This guy like tried to go after her and she shot him in an alleyway. That surveillance footage. I was like, sorry, dude, you <laughs> fucked up. You tried to attack, you know, because the story about the girl thinking she was getting into an Uber and that fucking horrible story and all that shit. And oh, I see God, the picture yeah. of the guy and I'm like, if he got shot in the face, I wouldn't give a fuck. And I'm not saying that makes me, I think a lot of people probably would feel the same way. But it's also complicated when you start putting the government into that. I'm like, ugh, I don't know now. Now I'm like, I don't know. You know? Like, that's kind of like my feelings about capital punishment. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm, I'm actually firmly against capital punishment. But does that, does that mean that I think there's, no way that somebody who's done something so horrible deserves to die for it? Absolutely. There are definitely plenty of circumstances where I'm like, yeah, that person, I don't care that they die for what they did. Fuck them. But I don't want the state to have that power. Yeah, and I hear I you. Also, and I hear you. When, in this particular story, when you think about it, the idea of this all gets dressed up in, in espionage and justice and all these things. Correct. But in a way, it's, a it's really just straight up state-sponsored, nation-state-sponsored revenge. I'm like, oh, that's a fucking sticky territory to get yourself into. It's man. weird, man. It's you really know, weird. I, but, but what do you do? Like, I don't know. Like, what I don't do know the fucking answer. Oh, you yeah, know, if, if, if I had, if, if the whole, if my neighborhood was populated by my family members and somebody fucking killed six of them, I'd be like, okay, we should probably go do something about that. You know, it's, so it's like, I, I get the feeling of wanting to do it. It oh, just gets really yeah. weird when it becomes political. Yeah. It becomes really weird. And I don't, and I, and, and I think it's complicated and it's hard to wrap my head around. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. 100%. And that's just kind of where I land on it. Well. Like. I understand Avner wanting to do what he did. And in the moment of doing it, knowing that these guys were directly responsible, or at least thinking so, because that's part of the end of this movie, is we don't know. Right. He, he questions it. Where's the evidence? You don't need it. We've told you this is what it is. We are your superiors. You need to believe us, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess it just, it's, just, it's a complicated endeavor, man. It's, um, it's hard. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, it, 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 it's a mind fuck for sure. Right, right, and there's yeah. also—I mean—and there's also—and this is just such a massive theme of the movie that we can't tackle in in one sitting, even really. But just the fact that you're never, no matter what you do, as as an individual or even as a whole fucking country, you are never removed from history. Like everything you do will be tangled up in what came before and referenced with what came before. And just because you kill a guy who straight up fucking deserves it, some other people out there who think he didn't deserve it are now rallied to the cause that he fucking died for. And now you Mm -hmm. have new enemies on your hands. And it's just, you never can pull yourself out of that web. Every action is going to be remembered by somebody, even if you think it was this clean, we just got the one guy. Yeah, I think... I think I think with this type of conflict especially, which is way beyond my expertise, it just becomes it's too old, it's too entrenched in in in, in history like you're saying. Whereas other things are maybe, you know, maybe maybe could be viewed differently, you know, maybe maybe it would be easier to to work through the ethical minutiae of it all. But these things just go so far back that it's just yeah. it's such a fucking mess. And and I don't know. I would never even begin to understand how one could make it stop, you know? Oh, yeah. In, in, in other things, it's almost like, you know, I, I think a lot about, um, like, Goodfellas. It's, it's not a great example to compare it to, obviously. But, but I think of, there's the moment where Jimmy Conway realizes that Henry has been killed, right? Because he was a loose cannon. He thought he was yeah. going to become made. He gets shot. Next thing you know, Jimmy Conway gets the phone call on the cell, on, on, the, on the payphone, 
And he's like, and then they just say, he's gone. I'm sorry, Henry's gone. He's gone. And he just Ooh. cries and he, and he feels horrible. But then he also is in that position where he's like, well, this is what we have chosen to live. This is the life we've chosen. And these are the rules, you know? Right. He doesn't pick up a gun and go try to kill Paulie and everybody else. He knows the fucking rules of the game he's playing. Now, you could say maybe he was going to turn them in or, or turn state's evidence or going to witness protection or blah, 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 or try to get, you know, Leota's character whacked, right? But Henry, not Henry. Why am I keep saying Henry? What the fuck is, what the fuck is his name? Oh, Joe Pesci's name. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. Henry is, is Leota. Jesus Christ. This is so embarrassing. Henry <laughs> is Leota. Henry is, is Leota's it, character. It's not Polly, is it? No, Polly is, is Sorvino. Jesus That's Christ, somebody help fuck. me. Woo, we're a mess. Nikki, Tommy. He's Nikki in Casino, Tommy. When Tommy gets killed, I said it all wrong. You know, but you know what my point is. I do. Yeah. It is it is, you know, they they have decided to abide by these rules. And and that's the way it is. And and it's 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 weird to see in that movie where which was a true story, this moment where he's like, "Oh, that's it. That's just the rules. That's the way it's done. That sucks." And it and it hurts, but this is the rules. This is what we signed up for. This is the oath, so to speak. Indeed. It's yeah, like, man, it's, it's it? weird. It's like they can wrap their, it's like they can morally come to these conclusions like, okay, Tommy has to die because he's a loose cannon and we can't trust him. And that's that. It's wild. Yep. But in this, it's just like, we believe even beyond morally, I don't want to make any claims, religious claims, like anyone's making religious claims. I don't know. I, I don't know your moderates versus your fundamentalists. I don't know your zealots <laughs> versus your, I don't know. All I know is that people are fucking blowing people away all the time over there and it sucks. And, um, and, and I'm sure because of the way you grow up, if you're 14 or 13 and a rocket kills your friends and your family, you're going to remember that. And you're probably going to grow up in a really bad situation. You're not going to be, it's going to be hard for you to escape the gravity of the situation you find yourself in. And then one day somebody's looking down their sights at you. So it sucks. It's fucking brutal. You know, I guess is my point. And I, and that's, despite watching this movie and going, wow, these assholes killed those poor athletes. I'm kind of glad they're dying. I'm glad he's getting his revenge on these people. That's awesome. I can wrap my head around that. And that's what some of the people were like, yeah, killing terrorists on the Facebook group. I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's terrible what they did. They weren't, they were killing non-combatants and that's gross. Totally. Yeah. And I get the feeling. My, my feeling of how unfortunate this is, is the, the philosophical part of my brain, which is just going back to why, why did those guys feel so motivated and justified in doing that and back? And then it goes back and I just go, you know what? It's fucking too complicated. I can't, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to pay my fucking bills here, man. (laughs) So it's like, it sucks. Like, but these movies, that's why movie talk is so interesting because so much of movie talk is the storytelling is based in some sort of inspiration or thing. And and that's one of the awesome things about this podcast is, you know, as much as I like making stupid filler on the roof jokes, it also, you know, that's why it's fun to do this with you. We get to examine this part of it at the same time. We get to examine the other part of it. And uh, and then there's the entertainment and have fun shit too. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to shut the fuck up. You want to talk for a little while? <laughs> yeah, I'll talk for a while. Uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> shit, I think we've, I feel like we've just had our final thoughts. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a Are sense. we done? What time is it? Um, huh? Are we done? Yeah, I guess we're wrapped up. Fuck. Uh, it's only Dust 44 minutes. We should give him at least another the... hour. There we go. Fucking we'll give him at least another Real quick. Hour. Uh, but no, I mean, I feel like, I think one of the fundamental things that's actually an unanswered question in this movie, uh, is just the idea of 
why did they do this? Why did they do? Why did the PLO guys do this? And I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they kind of interpret it as they hate us. They want to slaughter us. Like even Golda Meir is sitting there saying that. Like they, what do you say to these animals? They want to just kill us all, and they want to, they want us extinct. So we have to do something. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, I feel, I get it. I get that feeling. But at the end of the day, when somebody would go this far, probably also all of them, the terrorists, I mean, knowing that they probably wouldn't live through this, or at least a very high chance that they're willing to go in here and kill innocent people they don't even fucking know, and even die possibly, highly likely in the process, there's something going on there. It's not just that they hate you. Like, I feel like a lot of people land on that, like, well, they just hate us and they're bad. They Hate is never the reason. It's a byproduct of something. It's why do they hate you? And I'm not saying it's justified. I'm not saying, oh, well, you must have been just wrong to them so that everything they do to you is justified. No, it's not that simple. But at the end of the day, you can't just land on, well, they hate us, so that's that. That's why they're doing this. Nah, there's something there. You know, there. earlier we were talking about collectivism, and, 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 and it's a conversation I, I would like to have with you someday when I can give you some a really good example of my problems with it. Because I think... I think, and in, in, in for those of you who don't know, Matthew, Matthew and I were just kind of talking about collectivism in general. And, and, and I think we were having a communication break in terms of a group of people who try to work together to do something, and then there's collectivism. And I think there's a, there is a distinction here. And I think this is one of those collectivist ideologies that is a problem. And that is, the, 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 however many terrorists it were that went in and killed these athletes— they were not thinking as individual people. They were thinking no. as a collective. And this Definitely. is the danger of collectivism to me. They, were, they weren't thinking as individuals. They were thinking as a collective. These athletes didn't do anything, anything to them. But what the athletes to them, because they're thinking with a, with a collectivist lens, represent mm-hmm. something that did something to them. It wasn't exactly. like, oh, terrorist number one is named Amir. You should go meet the other guy, call him fucking, I don't know, Joe. Joe, the fucking dude from Israel, whatever. I'm sorry, I don't know the, the fucking nomenclature. <laughs> Amir goes and meets Joe, and they have tea together, and they watch a soccer game together. Wow, look at that. They can be fucking friends. They don't have to moralize with each other from their religious point of views. They can go, oh, wow, that's interesting. I'm going to pray for your sins, but we can hang out, and vice versa. And that's two individuals having a discussion. But as soon as it starts to get into the collectivist like shit, that's when they are, they're responding to past transgressions that they think these athletes represent. I don't know. That's, that's bias. Or it could just be that these particular nine, 10, 11 guys are fucking animals and they wasted these innocent fucking athletes. That's very possible. I don't know, but I don't discount that as a possibility. Because I don't think collectivism should let you off the hook for doing an individual atrocity that's bad to another individual, regardless of your group identity. I guess that's the point I was trying to make to you earlier. I just didn't know how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) We got there, and I agree. Yeah, and and that's, yeah, it sucks. It's fucking brutal. And then the response is kind of the same thing, but, but I get it. They wasted a bunch of fucking athletes. What are you going to do? Take it on the chin? Maybe. (laughs) maybe. Some people would say yes. Pacifists would say yes. We will elevate ourselves above this. Right. And I think, I mean, I feel like there's just as good an argument for that as there is an argument for force. I mean, I feel like you can make an argument. Sure. You can. But it's fun to watch Eric Banish you people in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, uh, I'm being truthful. Well, also, I mean, there's a great line by Golda Meir in this, you know, early scene when she's sitting there talking with the generals and everything. And she says, at some point, every civilization has to negotiate compromises with its own values. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, is mm. that the reason behind so many fucking wars right there. And she's not wrong. Like, she's not incorrect by that. I think that's, that is the tough aspect of civilization itself being comprised of so many people. I mean, the decision-making process for a household of, of five people around their budget, you know, it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. You, know, you might have some disagreements about what priorities are, but you can work those out. Working out the budget for a, a nation of 300 million people, that's a lot more fucking complicated. It's inherently going to be, there's going to have to be compromises. There's going to have to be shifts. And, and I feel like, this moment of basically choosing a an ethical compromise of kind of acknowledging what they're doing is dark and a little sinister, sure. but in some sense that there needs to be a response, and they're they're compromising one of their values in this moment consciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think every every civilization has done it forever, right? And I mean, every every civilization has blood on their hands. All of them, everyone, all of them. all of them. You you oh, don't. Boy. You don't carve yourself out a spot in the fucking jungle, and I'm using that term loosely. I'm being more metaphorical when I say jungle. You you just don't without force, you know. Yeah, yeah. See, at the end of the day, I mean, there is no, there is not a civilization on this earth that wasn't at least you go back far enough that was based around you know some fucking expansionist conflict. Yeah, it's crazy. That's yeah, just that's just the nasty nature of it. But uh, our boy gets a mission, and it's pretty simple. That is it. You go and meets with the prime minister and several of the generals. That's uh, an, they, that's a quite the meeting, by the way, dude. Serious. I mean, like that's that alone is already crazy. Of like, you're just a field agent, and it's not like you get pulled before even you know the head of Mossad. It's like, no, here's the head of Mossad, probably two of the top ranking generals of the entire military, and the fucking prime minister, and you're in her house, and like, all right, we got a mission for you. And he's kind of like, oh well, I fucking have to say yes to this, don't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Very intense moment, but I was trying to figure out his how he was feeling here. Did he feel like he wanted to? I think he did. Oh, I think so. Right here, you, you, I you like- never really get you. You don't really get from Avner. You never really get reservation. Is what I'm fumbling for. Right. I would. I, I would say it doesn't go into full blown enthusiasm, but at the same Mm-mm. time, he's never really. And he talks about it later in the movie. He's never really stopping to like really think and mull over and consider and and think about his doubts involving it. He's just kind of like, well, I mean, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Whatever my job is, I'll do it. Yeah. And um, what do you think of Jeffrey Rush? Oh, I think he's fucking fantastic. He's man. excellent, Rush, isn't he? He's fucking great. He's great in everything. He's even, I mean, he elevates he the fucking pirates movies, man. Yeah, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's killer. I hear that. I hear those movies. I, I, the first one was terrific. It was quite an event. And oh, yeah. I heard the third one was pretty good, but I, I don't know. I don't know after that. I don't even know how many there are. I think I've seen three of them, but there's like five now. So fucking many. Yeah. Yep. It's awesome. It's a good sign you didn't ask questions. You'll say yes. If I'm your case <laughs> officer, Ephraim or whatever his name is. <laughs> and I love I love that how, you know, there's generals in the room, the prime minister, but the actual Mossad caseworker guy is the one who's like, it's good that you didn't ask questions. I like that you're cautious. <laughs> That's like a good thing for, for a field agent. Yeah. And Avner's uh, smashing his wife. Yeah. Before he makes the big decision, got to get one good smash in. 
Yeah. I do. I, I fucking love his wife. And he's like, how late do we, how late in the pregnancy do we have to stop having sex? And she's like, labor. <laughs> <laughs> like, hell yeah. It's funny. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's getting a good smashing cause he's going to be gone a while. Indeed. And you know what? I, I, she sticks by him. She's like, you know what? That's all right. <laughs> I knew what I was getting into basically. But I, I also like her honesty where she's like, look, I'm going to go along with this until I don't like until I can't. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's an honest moment there of like I will stick with you until I just fucking can't if it becomes fucking horrible and untenable I mean maybe I won't be here like I like that she's not the like just wistful wife of like oh anything honey for you like she's like look this might be fucking horrible and if you're gone for 10 years or die in the field like shit I'm moving on sorry it's a rough job yep. you got yeah and then the Mossad accountant by the way <laughs> oh indeed God damn. This is the most Jewish thing in the whole movie. <laughs> Such a stereotype. <laughs> what did you admit? We have operational funds. We're a tiny country. It's Israel. Listen, I'm just saying I can't drain the account over here. <laughs> I awesome. want receipts. I want Andrew Dice Clay to play this character. <laughs> what I tell you? You took all the money. I just want him to <laughs> fucking say that and just break his balls. That would make my day. <laughs> I don't let I don't trust Yekas with unlimited operational accounts. Oy! Hey, yeah, <laughs> Yekka, Yekka means what? European born Jew, I German Jew, so. maybe? Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. But he he says he's like, oh well, I'm not a Yekka. I was born in Israel. And he's like, was your father born in Israel? And he's like, no. And he's like, then you're a Yekka. <laughs> like, just fucking super high standard for whoever can be considered a fucking Israeli. Hmm. Wikipedia says Yekka is a Jew of German-speaking origin. Term oh, carries okay. the con- connotation that German Jews are notable for attention to detail and punctuality. Well, that's well, there we go. Just Germans to a T. And while we're stereotyping. <laughs> while we're stereotyping. The term is often used in a slightly derogatory or cynical manner, although it is used as, sorry, although it also is used as a compliment. It used mainly in reference to the German Jews' legendary attention to detail. This sense for detail extends into the strict adherence to Minichaim. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, Jews uh, originating from the northwestern part of the former kingdom of Hungary and often confused with the Yekas due to similar. So there you go. There we go. Yeah. And honestly, the, the only moment in this entire movie that I do kind of uh, roll my eyes a little bit at, and I'm like, Steven Spielberg being cute, which he does do. Like, he Steven does. Spielberg is a great director, he but he has these moments of being a little too fucking cute sometimes. He and does. The, Even and, in Saving Private Ryan, he gets a little too cute. Right, right. And the only, I would say, the, the only moment in this movie that I feel that way about is the fucking accountant slamming his book and sending all these receipts flying to the air. I'm like, that's cartoonish like mm-hmm. why would you want all your fucking paperwork to fly all over the damn floor like what come on silly yeah. no se- no self-respecting Mossad accountant wants to right. lose his paperwork right fucking get all in disarray just to he make wants a silly receipts, point god damn it <laughs> <laughs> I want the receipt like these I scattered all over the floor and now I don't know what go to what could you just see fucking Abner wasting these guys in a cafe then he runs back in and grab the receipt god damn <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I need to get the receipt also here's five dollars for a tip bye just fucking covered in blood. <laughs> You're going to kill 11 men one by one. Europe only, not the Arab countries. That's for us, not you. I don't know why this guy suddenly talks like Antonio Banderas. <laughs> You're going to kill them one by one. He's got that mystique. Mm, yes. You're going to kill them. 
But uh, yeah, he's like, you're going to kill them, but you're not going to do it in Arab countries, correct? Indeed. So you'll be tracking these guys in Europe, basically. Right, because that's where most of them are anyways, but they don't want Mm -hmm. them following anybody into Arab countries. Yep. They made him resign as a Mossad agent. You'll have no contact with us. You're not going to try to give me any information. We deposit money from a fund that doesn't exist into a box we don't know about into a bank we've never set foot in. We can't help you because we never heard of you before. You'll do what the terrorists do. They they allude to it here, but it's fairly unspoken throughout the movie, which is something that would be terrifying if you're in an Abner's position. Like, if you get captured, uh, you're fucked. Like, that's it. Like, nobody's coming to negotiate for you. Nobody's coming to help. You are a disavowed fucking agent. Let the winds fucking have their way with you. That's it. Mm. Cut all ties. That is some scary shit. I wonder why. territory. Hmm? I wonder why. So that they'd have no connection. So that they couldn't be Mm. blamed for this. Yeah, I, I guess they, not they in still, an official capacity, but they still want, they like, they know, like, you know, right? It's like the oh, foot yeah. massage in Pulp Fiction. Like, <laughs> you touch another man, you touch another, another man's wife's feet, and you can pretend you didn't know something was going on there, but both of you knew something was going on there, right? Isn't that yeah, kind of what they're saying yeah. here? Basically. Like, you know I mean, it was think, us, but not officially it was us. Right. They don't want it to be official, but at the same time, they want all of the, you know, the guys who are Because then America will stop sending they, them guns and bombs. <laughs> well, they want all their names fucking showing up in papers as dead so that they, I think the real message they want to send, there's a, there's a, they talk about the world, but at the end of the day, they want to send the message to the PLO and other Arab countries who would be against them that, hey, all those guys who planned that operation, yeah, they're all dead and they're all turning up murdered. So mm-hmm. be careful. That's the message they want to send. So it doesn't really matter if, you know, they, they got to make sure that they don't get blamed by, you know, the international political community, but they also want all of these dudes to know that when you attack us, you die. Yeah. We see some flashback to the stuff we had seen already. Indeed. Yeah. A little more yeah. of the... One of the guys gets the, away, doesn't he? Um, I thought he, that... He it, looks it, like this is, Tony or something. It's one of the few confusing things. I remember for a, a while when I first saw this movie, I was confused by that. I thought, was didn't that athlete make it out of there? But I think in the next shot when we see the guy picking up a knife, that's the same guy. I think he comes back no, feeling it isn't. bad. I think. Is it Is, is it? it? Well, I, according I to the it credits, it says, Michael Klesik had a small part in the film as a Russian athlete, but it was left on the cutting room floor. Oh, no, maybe not. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was the guy who, you know, when he runs away, he comes back with the knife and, and ends up stabbing one of the, you know, PLO dudes in the head, which is fucking intense. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Do we know if that happened? I think pretty much all the shit they depict here did happen the way the way it's shown. So the guy running away is shirtless and in yellow underwear. This guy is in a wife beater and gray, like, um, tidy whities Oh, shit. So I don't know. I don't oh. know if that's a bad edit, but... Did what's that? What, do we should probably pull up the Munich massacre. Did any of the athletes escape? I am. Yeah, that's something I did not look into. I'm not sure. Well, let's pull up the Wikipedia article and do our fucking homework. Live on live fire exercise. <laughs> A live fire exercise. Um, God, the hostage taking. Blah blah blah. Um, let's see. God, there's so much to read here. I don't know. Did anybody yeah. escape? Three were marched back to the coach's room. Come on, left nine hostages. Because uh, we see two of them killed on camera. One guy gets shot as, as he tries to turn around and attack the, the PLO dudes. And another guy, like we already said, comes back with a knife, stabs one, and then runs into the room and gets gunned down. 
So those yep. are the two that were killed first. So a guy shouts yeah. a warning to his sleeping roommates and through his waiting against the door to stop the intruders. Um, weightlifting coach, enough time to smash a window and escape. Wrestling coach Moshi Weinberg fought the intruders who shot him through his cheek and forced him to help him find hostages. Leading the intruders past apartment two, Weinberg lied by telling them that the residents of the apartment were Israelis and said Weinberg led them to apartment three. The government corralled six wrestlers, weightlifters, and additional hostages. It is possible that Weinberg had hoped the stronger men would have a chance of fighting apartment two, but they were all surprised in their sleep. As Damn. the athletes from apartment three were marched back to the coach's apartment, the wounded Weinberg again attacking the gunman, allowing one of his wrestlers, Gad Zobari, to escape via the underground parking garage. There you go. So he actually did get away. Holy shit, dude. So Gad Zobari. Wow. Sole survivor of the six athletes house in apartment three at 31. God damn, dude. He was a possible, they thought he was a strong contender as a medal winner too. Damn. That's brutal. Got that fucking medal and running though that day. Fucking A. Fucking run your ass off, dog. Fuck wrestling. Run. (laughs) Yeah, man. Wild. So there you go. So I guess that was, so that I guess what they depict in the film is, is what happened. A guy runs away. He must've been one of the coaches. So he made it. Shit. That's wild. Count your fucking lucky stars. Fucking A. But I love the dude with the curls, the sauce curls. He just fucking chimp smashes that dude and stabs his head under the wall. Bang. That's what I'm saying, man. That guy. I don't think he kills. Does he kill him? You think, I don't think he dies. I don't think so. I think he just sticks it in his thick skull, but he gets his body blown apart. Yeah, man. Oof, man. Fucking horrible. But at this point, we see Avner heading to the Swiss bank where he just has fucking stacks of money waiting for Mm -hmm. him. 250,000 American dollars. He's going to have a four-man team, uh, and he heads off to meet them for the first time around some dinner. Yeah. I like this dinner shit. Me too, man. I actually really it's, like it's it. It's really something, isn't it? I mean, this dude makes a whole fucking... It, it's, it's a weird juxtaposition. Exactly. Like, they're sitting around getting ready to plot, like, all right, here's all these murders we're going to do, these justified murders, but also, mmm, pass the gravy. <laughs> having a grand old time. Breaking bread, man. Breaking that bread. Breaking that bread. And I feel like one of the things that I think is, uh, has been a criticism of this movie, which I disagree with, uh, I've read some stuff, you know, some critics were being like, oh, these barely fleshed out characters who are supposed to sympathize with as they do these horrible things. And I'm like, I feel like they feel like very real people. Very I never understand I, that. I never understand. Don't understand that shit. I don't understand and, that in movies where extreme violence occurs. I don't understand why people go, oh, I don't like that criticism you just said. Like, oh, how do we, what, what drives them? I mean, dude, what do you think is driving them? Did you see what happened? Right. Ugh. But no, I mean, I feel like part of what the scene establishes too is that they are regular ass people. Like they've they've been pulled mm-hmm. into this. You know, they they are tapped for this mission. But one dude's an antique seller, and he talks about yeah, it's a front, but it's a successful front. You know, I actually deal in like identities paperwork. Yeah, that's Hans. You know, the forger basically. Um, you know, and the other dude's a toy maker, but they have these bits of expertise and they get called in for this, but they are just fucking people. I feel like that's actually, in my opinion, one of the things this movie nails pretty well of depicting just about everybody involved as a very normal person, uh, but just participating in something very big and complicated and awful at times. Yeah. 
Oh, man, it's wild. But but yeah, you, you at first you're like, these guys? What? <laughs> the elite assassin crew right here? <laughs> Syrian Hines, it's always good to see him. Dude, he's fucking killer. I love Rules. him. So fucking good. Yeah. Have you seen this, the HBO series Rome? No, I never have watched that. Mm. Yeah. I know. I've heard it's great. Yeah. He plays Caesar. Oh, fuck. Hell yeah. He plays a good Caesar. Gets stabbed real nice. I don't want to spoil it, but. <laughs> spoilers. History spoilers, dude. <laughs> ah, sorry. Don't <laughs> tell me who wins World War II, though. I swear to fucking God. Well, you might. It, it, there, it's ups and downs. <laughs> Lots of ups and downs. Dramatic. A lot, a lot, ups, a lot, a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> um, you, you'd call it a prequel to Munich, I guess. <laughs> that's the fun thing about history everything's a prequel to everything mm. you want to talk German idealism German idealism you say. yeah with Heigl this fucking crazy bitch oh my gosh yeah the, uh, Abner's first contact to oh get names oh my god this German chick's ready to bone <laughs> I love it the philosophical fucking anarchist chick in her crazy bougie apartment mm. oh yeah Heigl's philosophy of right and wrong does not assign a moral category to wrong. Yeah. That's why I have to smoke this cigarette with a holder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would, I'm not sure, philosophically speaking, I'd call her an anarchist. Not to be nitpicky, no. but I'm going to be. Yeah, but here you are. <laughs> yeah, because people throw that around a lot. I think, pe- pe- I, think, I think when people say that, I think they think of dudes with like spiked hair and like throwing Molotov cocktails and cup nah, cars and totally. shit. No, nah, I just mean it more for like the, the aesthetic of her. Yeah, I know. The I know chandelier yeah. on the, the floor, bougie. Right? She's very bohemian, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> she's like art house vampire broad. Mm-hmm. I can dig it. 100%. She starts, <laughs> spill, she starts spitting that Mark stuff at me that I'm going to have to check out. But in the meantime, <laughs> up, up until then, I can hang. Oh, fuck. But yeah, this is such a wacky scene. The chandelier's on the ground. Like, it's just weird. Totally. And also, I mean, I, I feel like it establishes, too, this kind of, like, weird, non-official aspect to all this stuff that gets dressed up in, you know, official terms. Or, like, his first contact to get to Louis is this sort of weird friend of his he's just smoking weed with in Germany. And, like, that's <laughs> this is our elite fucking contact? This is how we're going to find out? Okay, whatever. I know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, looking for the but, bargains, dude. That's it. Yeah, cut and some corners. Flashes that money, I work for rich Americans. And that's mm. pretty much all they need to hear. They're like, whatever. We'll take that money. That's a powerful, that's a powerful form of currency. <laughs> Here's this stack of cash. Want to work with me? Yeah. The implications of Munich, they're not hiding. They got everyone's attention. They're recruiting. It's crazy that that attack became a rally cry, according to this movie. I don't know if that's the truth. The Munich attack? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what the guy is saying. They're Andreas is that, is that his name? Not not Andreas, but Andreas's friend that they meet. Because he's mm. like, oh, I'm trying to find him, and he's like, oh, they're not hiding. <laughs> that's yeah, nuts, proud. dude. They got everyone's attention. They're recruiting. They're making plans. Don't you know? That's it. It was a big success for them. He says, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the part of the movie that I actually like, and I can understand people. I can understand criticisms for the movie. First of all, it's two hours and forty four minutes. It's pretty fucking long. It is. But in, in, in there's places where you can trim, I think, for sure. But I think this stuff is cool. I like the meeting with contacts. You don't know if you can trust them. You have to get the whereabouts of where they are. 
Um, I like that stuff. You know, what did we talk about? I think it was on sneakers. We talked about the importance of something like, what was it? Um, what were we talking about? Surveillance. I was talking about how cool it is that we see so much surveillance, so much of that stuff, um, in those films versus just like, okay, here's the job, here's the blueprints and we're going in tomorrow. The action became the surveillance and not the actual breaking in, so to speak. Right. Um, here we, this, get a, we get a taste of it, yeah. Yeah, this is, a, this is kind of like that, but one of the things about this movie is that so much of the payoff is in you hope that they get the guys responsible for murdering those athletes. Right. So there's so much right. tension around that. Yeah, that is, that is, especially early on, this like first half of the movie, that is so much the setup. And I, that's what I was talking about earlier. If I kind of, I like that it starts out feeling this way, almost like a spy caper story, because in a lot of ways it is. But then it slowly kind of transforms into something else. Because right here, you're still like, yeah, fuck those guys. Let's get them. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this first kill. We don't have to belabor the getting to all these kills shit. We're already an hour Indeed. in, so... Do you like how they, they draw sticks for who the actual shooters are going to be? Dude. Oof. Nobody wants to actually have to fucking do it, man. Yeah. But there is no hesitation. They No. They well, follow. They, yeah, they I, follow. I, yeah, there is. They follow this guy. They track him. And uh, they ask him his name. And he's like, oh, shit. He knows. Uh, they When they pull the guns out. I really like when Abner goes to pull his pistol out. He's actually a little slow doing it. Yeah. Takes he he gets kind of hitched on the hit on the holster. And this guy just knows his fucking goose is cooked, man. He knows. He's like, I am, I'm dead. I'm a dead man here. Yeah. And he tries, he tries to reason with them. He speaks Arabic and they ask him again. He said, yes, already. He said, yes. Right. That's and you're it. just like, oh boy. And I mean, that's, that's another aspect of this movie's, violence that i actually like and i think is well depicted is me too how how close a lot of it is how awkward how how painful and bizarre just i mean because at the end of the day we we talk about the horror of violence or the intensity of it or the the meanness of it a lot but also how you gotta think about just how bizarre that is the idea of just walking up to somebody just pointing a gun at them you're still talking to them you're talking to them. You're, you're still exchanging words, and you know in a couple seconds you're going to fucking end their life. Yep. You're going to blow them away. And that's just this weird awkwardness of him even reaching out, touching Avner's gun and mumbling in Arabic, basically probably being like, come on, put it, put it, put it down, put it down. And they know yeah, they're just yeah. going to do this. Yeah. Shoot yeah. straight through his groceries. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it is. It is. You can tell that these guys, they're not, you know, mafioso assassins. There's, no. there's discussion and hesitation and are we sure and in that moment before. And you're right. This movie does a good job of that. It, does, it shows the awkwardness of this. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it even has the, the toy maker saying, what do I do? What do I do? Like he's, he's panicking in that moment. And Avner even whispers to the guy, like almost like gently of like, do you know why we're here? Like basically mm-hmm. trying to like almost remind him like, you understand this is the consequences, right? Like it's like this weird gentleness to it, which I think is also realistic. Yeah. It's, and then just boom, 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 boom. boom. Fucking damn dude. Leave him drop. And there comes our boy Carl. Afterward, picking up the shell casings, cleaning it up, making sure it's clear of evidence. Yeah. Yep. That was slick, by the way. Oh, yeah. But what a, that is a risky job. Oh, absolutely. You yeah, want to run away from the goddamn scene, dude. You want to get out of there. This guy's running to the scene. Literally, yeah. Goddamn. Right up to it. I love Jewish Caesar. <laughs> Jewish Caesar fucking rules. 
Uh, but no, he's he's a fucking boss, dude. I actually he's one of my favorite characters of the entire movie. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, they waste our they waste our guy, and um, that's the end of him. Their first killing is complete. Uh, and I love in the very next scene that they're kind of having a little celebration, drinking some wine. But uh, their their own personal accountant here, basically the the fucking identities and paperwork guy, is just like, yeah, I, by my calculations, uh, that cost about three hundred fifty two thousand dollars to kill him. Holy <laughs> shit! So much to isn't get that one crazy? Guy. That's fucking crazy. And so much of that is an information, right? So God, much. what a, what a crazy thing to broker an information like that. Like that's that's how important it is to them. Three hundred fifty-two thousand dollars. That's so insane. He's just, just it, chilling at a cafe in Rome. <laughs> that's it. Mm. But what do you think and about it, their philosophical discussion? I loved it. I love that Carl is the guy who, because at the end of the day, you can't forget. Like he did his job. He's doing his job. He he doesn't hesitate to carry the things out. But I like that he's the guy on the crew who's like, hey don't lose perspective. You know, he quotes that, that thing from the Bible of, you know, God said after, you know, basically crashing the waves and the ocean back down on the, you know, Egyptians pursuing the Israelites. I, you know, why are you celebrating? I've just killed a multitude of my children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then Abner replies of, you know, the angels respond and say that killing them will prove your larger point. Yeah. Being God's point. Indeed. Yeah. And Steve's like, I'm rejoicing. Fuck this! I'm James Bond. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's the one who probably thinks the least about the the moral aspect of all of this. He's like, "Fuck that! Don't fuck with the Jews." Is his only thought. Should we talk about the most French guy of all time? The most French, Louis. I'm so French. At Ertz. I talk like I'm from Belgium, just like Jean-Claude Van Damme. I smoke <laughs> cigarettes in front of the Eiffel Tower, and I hope to get some good money from you to tell you where the bad guys are. I tell you how to kill. I have no art in this game. <laughs> Our uh, fucking... He's amazing, this guy. Oh, he's I re- great. I, I really, really liked him. I, I don't... I just... You know me, pal. He's like, I don't give a fuck about the government part of this shit, neither do we. <laughs> You want the information? Here it is. And in truth, too, he is probably... Could you and a Frenchman could haggle forever. God, that's a good line. <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> but no, he, in the of the movie, he's probably the most fictional aspect. Uh, there was not a French sure. informant. There actually wasn't really an informant at all. It was actually a big network of other Mossad agents that gathered up mm. the names and dis, you know distributed them among each other. But that was just a bigger, more complicated job, and they just decided to kind of condense that into an informant, which I think is a cool, is a good choice as far as telling a story because now mm. you have one face to look at one person that we're uh in contact with and i think it gets across the the message of still who do you rely on who can you really trust and and trust their intentions and i think having that kind of summed up in one character is a stronger kind of metaphor for that yeah it works more visually totally yeah. versus a range of various contacts you can't trust that gets a little unwieldy in a in a moving picture film you could probably totally. do that in a novel a little easier where you can devote time to them and chapters. Um, I think yeah. this this probably works in terms of telling the story a little more cohesively for an audience. I agree. And I like, you know, since he's like a Frenchman, he's he does already kind of feel completely removed from their conflict. He's like, I got no fucking dog in this game, man. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. I'm here to make money. <laughs> That's it. Yep. He says, I am, um, I don't know you. You don't know me. Okay. Oui, oui. 
<laughs> uh, oui, oui, bon, oui. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, they kind of just, I like to do the walk and talk. This is it. And this is where he basically informs him that don't lie to me, be honest with me, and also we don't work for governments. If mm-hmm. you're a part of a government, we don't fucking want anything to do with you. It's a private family business that we run here, and we only want to deal with other private interests. So awesome. We can locate almost anyone from, for anyone, anywhere. <laughs> we love everybody. We hate everybody. Ugh. I get my feelings confused. We are ideologically promiscuous. God, that's beautiful. That's fucking <laughs> French poetry right there. <laughs> of course you love this fucking guy. <laughs> this guy's great. Come on, he's hilarious. We know or we find. We don't find, you don't pay. <laughs> that's honest. That's good business. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He does get a little hard to trust as the movie goes on. You're like, ooh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, we learn about the Lufthansa hijacking. Absolutely. That's, I, I love that the movie includes this. It would be very <laughs> – I feel like it would be very easy to focus almost entirely on just their operation, just the shit they're working on and focusing on and what's the next target, on to the next. But I like that in the background it keeps flaring up that this is an ongoing conflict now. There are more attacks by the PLO on Israeli targets and mm-hmm. Israeli embassies. Like this, is, this isn't just a contained effort. It's kind of already spiraling out of control. No question. Getting ugly, Bog. Let's talk about the next guy. Ooh, their next target. Boy, this is great. one of the this absolute best scene. sequences in the entire movie. This is yeah, it's so good. <clears throat> I mean – this as a movie as a whole, I this is another kind of like funnily enough, Men in Black. I remembered so much of this movie, and I've seen it a ton of times. Uh, but this is, dude, hands down, probably the strongest single sequence in the movie um, of them preparing for for this guy's assassination and the actual sequence of them communicating with each other and, and trying to re- relay back and forth and and all the problems that come up. Just the tension of it all is so tight. Ah, oh, it's fucking excellent. Yeah, yeah. My favorite part is how Palestinian children never die in this conflict. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Never, yeah. not once. Not a, not a once because of, because of these heroics here. And honestly, I mean, I actually like that the scene starts with them. And, you know, they have, uh, I think it's Robert, the toy maker, interviewing him, pretending to be a journalist to, to get inside of his house. But he's sitting there talking about how, yes, we're the, we've been the largest refugee population in the entire world. Nobody cares. You know, we, we, we've been doing all this and nobody pays attention. You know, now that this attack has gained people's attention, like you're kind of getting a glimpse into their ideas, their justifications for what they've done. Yeah. Yep, for sure. While this guy and this guy sits there and listens to it, fully knowing that I'm going to totally blow you up, like I'm definitely killing you. I'm I'm in your apartment to figure out how to kill you. Yeah. In the the moment, the moment with a piano playing when the daughter comes in and he sort of has this moment, and we know the character Robert, he starts to lose his fortitude for this. Absolutely. I mean, and you're the one placing s- the fucking bombs, dude. Totally. You're and the you guy sit- putting the explosive in there. You're the guy triggering the, ex- you're the trigger man on the yeah. explosives. And you got to know, he, he's got to know in this moment too. If you're, you're sitting there literally drawing out the phone, writing down probably the model number and everything. Uh, and that's when the girl walks in and sees him. And, you know, he kind of, he's pretty good actually about kind of deflecting it and just being like, oh, how are you? And she kind of doesn't really pay attention to what he's doing and sits down and plays the piano. But you already know that when we kill this guy, we blow him up with his phone, his daughter is going to remember, I remember seeing that guy looking at our phone. Like, I'm going th- to think about that. I'm going to remember his face for fucking ever. Maybe he had something to do with it. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, it's, you know, this scene is just such an unfortunate reality of the whole thing. Absolutely. Like, like the three of these adults sitting here talking, this, this is one of the tragedies of this picture and of this whole thing. Yeah. And that's this right after Munich, they did this. It did not begin in Munich and back and forth. And they're talking, right? And what these three people are doing is they're, I mean, they're talking in theys. Right. Now, right. Sadly, you're dealing with a man who helped the, 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 the Munich thing occur, and you're sitting across from him as a Mossad agent, right? <laughs> Indeed. But, I, but in, the, in this, this woman probably knows what her husband does, but I don't really know. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. But you are, you are three people sitting at a desk. You're three individuals. You're Robert, you're Marie, and you're, I think his name's Mahmoud or something. Hmm. Just talk. Right, just three human beings. Be three lives. people right now. Forget the other shit. And, and you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I think you get my point. Yeah. No, it's, they're, just, they're, it's, it's, it's a tragedy to me. Like, we're, 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 th- we're not thinking of, of ourselves as people, as individuals. We're thinking of ourselves as, I am Palestinian. I am, I am Israeli. I am. Well, it's just like that. Also, what, what war has ever been devoid of that? I don't think I you, don't, can, you could not none. be in a war as a participant and not fall victim to that. Of course. I mean, you, just, you would have to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm man. doing this because I'm an American and I'm defending America. Oh, That's why yeah. I'm doing it. That's why I'm killing this guy. Yeah. This other uh, individual yeah. staring you know, I me just, in the face. I'll tell you, I just talked about that on the First Man podcast. Mm. And, and, and one of the things I was saying was, you know, to, to, to not repeat everything I said on that podcast for a 30-minute rant, I said, maybe that's why a lot of guys join, but they're usually fighting for the guy next to them, if that totally. makes sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. And I talked about that as it related to First Men, how there's all this hubbub, because they, they didn't show him plant the fucking American flag on the moon, even though they show the flag on the goddamn moon. Because if you watch the movie— it's stupid. It's the dumbest thing to be mad about because the movie is about Neil Armstrong's internal struggle about losing his daughter and doing all of this despite all the objections and him getting there and dropping this keepsake on the moon and what that meant to him in that moment. That's what the fucking movie's about, right? He didn't do it yeah. for the United States in that moment. He did it for himself. And I'm not saying he's selfish, but maybe he joined yeah. NASA. Maybe he had big ideas because he was... I, I'm not saying... I didn't say I know that for certain. I said that could be a take that you have on it. It's kind of like the same shit here. You know, it's like, it just, it gets so convoluted and just so totally. messy with all that shit. Well, I mean, I don't think, I don't think you can participate in any of this stuff without, it's both required that you kind of, you know, believe in the cause, the big broader mission of your people, your nation or for whatever. Sure. But at the end of the day, you are still able to carry through with it for your own personal reasons. Sure. I think without the matching of the both of them, you wouldn't be able to be involved. That is a you fair, would, that is a fair assessment. You'd back out. Fair assessment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great scene. When the daughter comes in and plays, plays the music. Oof. And he just has to look at her, knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. But then another, and kind of like what we've just been talking about, a great moment when they're in, they actually go into the apartment as, you know, dressed like repairmen, and Carl comes in, and they're actually planting the bomb inside of the phone. And Carl's the one to bring it up. This man. We don't know what he did specifically. And Avner's like, oh, he arranged the attempted assassination of Ben Gurion. You mm-hmm. know, that happened a couple of years ago. Now he organizes in France. And you know, Carl's just like, he organizes? They showed you evidence for this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it's the story, and I believe them. That's it. Why don't you? It's a war. Come on. And he, it, uh, very totally revealing of, of Avner's you know, mental 
place at this point in the movie of I'm doing the job. I just, I'm going to go ahead and believe the story they tell me. He's the guy. Mm. We're doing it. That's it. That's all I'm thinking about. The lovely and intelligent Maria says, don't you think Avner is torn because he's going to be a father? I would say unequivocally yes. Now, oh, yeah. that's confirmation bias because I don't know what that's like. But I can only imagine that you're, that one of the things you're thinking of in bringing a child into this world is, who is this child's father going to be? And then there's also the flip side, which is people will hate this girl someday for no reason other than who she is, right? Mm-hmm. That's a fucked up thing to, to think about. Um, oh, yeah. In every the parent. fact that she exists, yeah. Just the fact she exists, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of that there. I'm sure a lot of it drives him to do what he does, and I'm sure a lot of it gives him pause to reflect on what he does. I don't think it sways him one way or the other. I think it, I think it, here's the best way I can say what I, what I think about that, Maria, because I think it's a really great point. I think it's just turning up the volume on everything. Right. Making Does that it make all sense? more intense. Yeah. Making, makes, making the broader personal. Yep. I think it's making the decision to do it louder. I think it's making the reflection on doing it louder. I think it's making the guilt louder. I think it's making the feeling of being justified louder. I think it just turns up the volume all the way around. Yeah. Great point by Maria. And, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, about Louis kind of being a composite character and there wasn't an actual informant. Uh, the same is true for Avner. There was no guy named Avner. He's kind of a composite of several people. Um, one guy whose name ooh, I don't have in front of me, but he wrote the book called Vengeance, which is a, a lot of what inspired this movie. It's a big part of what they – uh, based a lot of the like the narrative around, and it's been a pretty uh, pretty authenticated book. Like, there's not much you know discrepancy in reality that's been shown in that. Who book. by the accurate. Jews? By the Jewish one? By the Jewish publishers? Oh Jesus! <laughs> but no, I mean, I think I'm the kidding. point of it. I'd, at l- the end I'd of like the to. Day, I'd like to know more about it. To be honest with you, like the people who were there. That's wild. Oh uh, no! I'd totally read that book. Yeah, it sounds fucking super interesting. Um, it's crazy, but no, like Avner is not a real person in the real actual story. But again, I like the way he's used, and I think it puts again a direct personal face on the story. And him having a pregnant wife, him having a, the beginnings of a family, he's trying to get started that he's also never really had before. Uh, you know, like it, it's talked about very briefly in the movie a couple times, but that his father was in prison while you know he was very young. And his mother had to kind of take care of him single-handedly, and he's always kind of had a slightly broken-up family. And I think him and his mo- uh, his mother and father are divorced now at this point too. So he's like right at the the beginning of getting to have some like, all right, this is kind of the thing I always wanted: this dream of having a, a wife and children and a family that I'm starting and the, the same shit everybody wants: safety and security. I'm sure, like you've already said, that's all rattling around in the back of his mind. Of okay, maybe my mission, maybe the way I can think about it that'll allow me to sleep at night is that I am ensuring their safety and their future. Yeah, and I think that's a great, great way, you know, a great character to have in this story. That's probably his personal justification, which is understandable. I like the decision. One of the reasons I think this sequence is so effective is so much of the tension was, is the daughter going to get it? And then they just go right to let's blow him up. That was kind of slick the way they edited this. Oh, totally. 
And also just the sound design in this part of the movie, how there's no music. There's no music once they have the, you know, the bomb in there and they're waiting to see the family come out. And we're lots of zoom ins and zoom outs. We, we see how far apart they are, but at, you know, at the same time, very much communicating with each other. He pulls the, his hat down several times at Carl to say that something's wrong. We need to communicate again. Like, I just love the way that we can pick up on their signals without having it explained. Um, yeah. This guy's toy things are cool. This thing on the line. Oh, the little the little rowboat guy thing. <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> delicious lunch again. But yeah, the, like, what's going on? Bombs achieve a double objective. They eliminate targets and terrify terrorists. <laughs> it only works when the bombs work. <laughs> a fucking jerk. Dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, God, we, today, I know we need to get moving <laughs> as far as the movie goes, but fuck that moment, man, when they have to rush over to the car, all the sounds drowned out and, and say, fucking, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. It's the girl on the line. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. So fucking intense, man. Yeah, man. But also, yeah, that's another, and a complication to it is that the bomb wasn't quite big enough to instantly kill him. He is in the hospital and they're, and they're already busting Robert's balls, but oh, fine. Why'd you put a firecracker in there? Come on. Mm-hmm. He's got to fucking, it's got to do the job. Yeah. So the wife gives birth. And he goes there when he's not supposed to. Correct. I'm Which, su- you know, I actually kind of like it from Abner. I'm like, eh, good for you. Saying, fuck it. I'm going to be there for my kid. Yep. She's a hot shit. She calls him corny. It wasn't easy for me to say that, right? Dude, she, yeah, she's fucking funny. I really like her. <laughs> um, what do you think of his mom? Dude, such a stern-ass, intimidating <sighs> Jewish mom. Whoo, boy. You know she's spanked. That she's an absolute as a disciplinarian right she's there. She's a boy. hardcore lady, man. Damn. <laughs> that fucking hair pulled back so tight. Oof. She ain't playing around. <laughs> Not fucking around. Yeah. But um it's funny, I think like how much did Golden Meyer have influence over him because of his relationship with his mom? <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that's actually a strong possibility. We learned she's this going to Brooklyn, huh? Yes, he he sends them to to New York. They're living in Brooklyn, uh, but I guess he thinks that's just a safer place in general for them to be. Yeah, but America sucks, though. I thought. <laughs> no, baby, still yeah. the beacon of freedom. Yeah, crazy. But dude, this next target. This is one of the things I I like about this movie too. As it progresses, um, I was actually kind of thinking about it in the sense of a road trip movie like a cross-country road trip kind of movie story it has a similar structure in the sense that in those movies the scenes are kind of built around the stops of wherever you're stopping there you stop at a rest station and they meet some kooky character and then on to you know a little interlude of them driving and talking and then they stop somewhere else and that's kind of the next little mini story there's like several mini stories in those movies and for this movie it has a similar structure in the sense of the assassinations are the scene like this is our next miniature story moving forward as we kind of pause in this area as they plan it and execute it um but i like how basically all of the assassinations just get more and more and more out of control like that first one in a real sense it was actually pretty under control like they handled it quickly the daughter picked up the phone but they they turned off they didn't blow up the bomb then and they got the guy even though it didn't kill him right away he succumbs from his wounds it was a a real success they got him yeah and then this next one dude holy shit things start to go wild so fun this is oh man another one of my just favorite scenes and and sequences of the movie because it's so intense and so just the, the play with the sound, the silence versus the loudness of the chaos. Holy shit. It's f- so fucking incredible. Yeah. 
And we get, boy, what a uh, scary portent of the future we get from Carl. I knew a field agent who got too scared to even sleep in his bed. So every night he slept on the floor of his closet. Still does it to this day. Yikes, man. Yeah, dude. So intense. One of the things I love about this scene, again, is the position they find themselves in with other people that become almost collateral. Like, this stuff out on the balcony is terrific. Oh, yeah. So, so fucking good. And again, like, he's forced to stare into the eyes of the person they're going to kill and just see another human being. And <clears throat> and by all by all you can tell in your own individual interactions with him, a perfectly polite, nice, mm-hmm. kind of even charming guy. Yep. Yep. He's saying, hey, they're going to be fucking all night in there. They're newlyweds. It's really loud. Want a sleeping pill? You can have one of mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and who is this guy? Just a bodyguard of sorts? Uh, the, their target. Oh, this is the actual target they're talking to. Yeah. No, he's talking. Oh yeah. To the that's actual, right. That's sorry. right. I'm sorry. I missed him with the stuff off his head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, that's the actual target. And they've built a bomb that is triggered by him laying down in his bed. It's placed under the mattress. The weight kind of closes the circuit and lights up the bomb. And then they twist another key and boom. Yeah. That's how this one's going to work. Dude. It, it's funny that the politeness of, Hussein, it, it makes it makes Abner uncomfortable, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, God, how could it not? It's just a weird, it's crazy, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a crazy situation. And, you know, fuck, I just realized the irony of him telling him, hey, don't plan to sleep, talking about the newlyweds having yeah. sex. And he's like, dude, I was never planning to sleep here. Definitely not after, about the, sh- uh, after the shit that's about to go down. Damn. So fucking brutal, man. Yeah. But it's it's no joke, dude. It's um, yeah, with the people next door, a sexy new wife ready to get some boning in. They're they're just here on vacation, living their lives. Yeah. Jesus Christ! By the way, Boy. hey Avner, what are you doing in that room? That's about to blow. Let him get out of there. Right. Well, that was part of it. Was that this, they they wanted let him to walk. Make- <clears throat> Right? Uh, you would think that they would give it like another 20, 30 seconds at least. Mm-hmm. But part of part of this signal to make sure that everything was good, you, you know, to make sure that they wouldn't have a situation like the last one where, oh, maybe somebody else was sitting on the bed or this or that. True. They wanted Avner to be in there to visually confirm, yes, he is indeed on the bed and it's him and it's just him. And as soon as Avner turns out his lamp, that's when they know, okay, it's really, truly right. all clear. It's just our target in the bed. But goddamn – did they not realize the power of this bomb? And dude, what a moment when he does that is quietness. so visually impactful. So it's incredible. Like it's it's, it's fucking, fucking amazing. And I mean, him just staring at that light. Like what a powerful image of just him going I, into the wreckage, the wall, the fucking. Carnage. Oh, that too. But I mean, I'm even just talking about like the the lead up to that. Of that moment, there's that there's a shot of Abner just sitting in his room, quiet. Everything's still nice and quiet. Like knowing that you're about to ruin the pristine, nice, quiet night everybody's having. You're gonna kill somebody. It, it, just the horror that you're about to unleash by turning off your lamp. Like he's just sitting there yeah, staring at crazy. the lamp, going, "All right, when I do this, it's it's done." Like I'm I am ordering. I am putting my thumb on the button to kill somebody by turning off this lamp and he does it quietly and then is fucking thrown across rips. the by this fucking explosion just like, rips shit. that is again some extremely realistic shit as far as a an explosion of that magnitude man mm-hmm. yep so robert becomes suspicious of the explosives 
Yeah. And I love it. They're all giving poor Robert shit about this where he's like, I didn't get, I didn't make the bomb, uh, like the, the actual explosive material itself. Like we got that and I just assembled it. Like it shouldn't have been that powerful. I measured the shit, but the, the plastique itself was too high of a grade, I guess. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of where, what, this is your bounty, Matt. Where do you want to move to next? <laughs> Ooh. Well, Should we get to the after- fucking shit in Beirut? Because they, they, they decide they're going to go over there. They make a decision, and then they only take a couple of them with them. It ends up being, I think, Avner and... Is it two or three of them? Avner, Steve, and does Robert go too? I think so, but I'm not sure if he, he was like actively involved on the ground with them. But I think You tell me. Go, what, do you, what do you want to get to? It's your movie, dude. They paid for it. We can stop right now. It's yours. <laughs> Well, I think to be honest, we should talk about the scene. The, hey, the next dinner scene where they're actually talking and catching no, up with Efren. Sake. Is this integral to the podcast? Do you think? <laughs> I just like Efren getting mad. All right, go for it. But this is this is that moment where we get him demanding their source, and yeah. they're him not wanting to give it up because he Avner realizes that if he gives up his source, it's, it's fucked. His source is going to go cold on him. Um. But, you know, Ephraim kind of hammering on the paradox of, yeah, you don't work for me, but I pay you, so you fucking work for me and tell me your damn source. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that becomes a, a tension between them here. Yeah. That kind of rides out all the way through the rest of the movie, which is yeah, the only reason I really wanted to bring it up. Yeah. But, yeah, this is where they he does also basically demand that we want to go to Beirut. Let us go to Beirut take out our targets and then we'll find the remaining sources you know, the remaining targets after that like basically saying we got to protect our source for now for, at least for this operation during the scene where avner's team joins up with the israeli commandos in beirut one of the commandos introduces himself himself as ehud barak barak was a member of the most elite commando force of the israeli army Sayerit Metkal before becoming a politician and eventually Israel's prime minister. Yeah, that's some true shit. It's fucking wild. And I think actually Benjamin uh, Netanyahu's father or grandfather was in this operation as well. Yeah, yep. I think you're right. Um, Talk to me about this fight. Holy shit. This is is another another absolutely true thing is that they did dress up in women's clothing and they practiced uh, in the training for this operation walking around convincingly in heels and women's clothing. That's a, that's a real thing they did. So, so they can all. get close to the gate, I guess. Exactly. Because once the guns come, once the guns shooting, once the shooting starts, I mean, all fucking hell breaks loose. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they get up to this, this military gate, get just close enough for this guy to be like, oh, hey, that's a dude in women's clothing. And then they just start popping with this fucking yeah. silencers, man. Also, so one thing I appreciate about this movie, uh, the silencers sound very real. They don't do, they don't do that bullshit, uh, like laser sound that so many movies do with like, I'm like, that's not a fucking silencer. That's what that shit sounds like. Still a pop. Man, this was, uh, this was, this was some shit here. So this is 1970 what? I guess this would be probably 73. Yeah. It's like, it was called the Operation Spring of Youth, I'm pretty pretty sure. I mean, and and think about what happens in Lebanon shortly hereafter. Yeah, not too long. Uh, Another fucking full-blown war. Civil war. And it's really bad. Um, I told you, we, we, and you know, it's, he's our friend, so 
keep your fucking don't be racist comments to yourself. We call him Gas Station Mike. Okay. <laughs> he owns a gas station. Mike, he's a cool dude. He knows my uncle. I know him. I've talked about him before. He left fucking Lebanon in 76, came over to the country with nothing, did what he has to do, owns a gas station. Gas Station Mike, he's awesome. Plays racquetball with my Uncle Mike. And um, he told me just crazy stories about getting out of there. It's just crazy. Um, right around 1975, Gad Saad, he's, uh, he's a social media personality. Um, he talks a lot about fleeing in 1975. And as, uh, as, as he was of Jewish heritage, he was like, yeah, we're getting the fuck out of here. You know, now yeah. Mike, okay. Mike, or our buddy gas station Mike, he's not, he's not Jewish. He's, you know, Lebanese. I think he's Christian now, but I think back then they were like, it, it just got too hairy, got too fucking dangerous. And a lot of people left, you know, um, a girl I dated a million years ago had family, half, she was half Lebanese, had family coming over during that time. Just crazy, man. Um, so it's, it's funny seeing this seeing these Mossad agents just go into the country and just fucking with fully automatic guns engaging people in the streets. Dude, you had seriously. to realize at this point, like, all right, this is not stable. Like, something's going right. to happen here that's bad. Um, just crazy to think about. Seriously. I mean, the idea of just commandos in the street fully opening up automatic fire at the sides of buildings, like, that is, this is no longer some covert operation. Like, yeah. This is, this this is, is a damn near fucking war forward. zone. Yeah, it's a war zone. Seriously, man. I mean, they, they, this breaks bad so fast. They, Oof. they just they lose a guy. nail in. Yeah, right. dude, fucking At least straight oozing people, pulling the dude's wife off of him in his bed to just gun him to pieces in his own wow. bed. Jesus Christ. Hauling Pretty up cool. a bunch of documents. That's something, you know, that, that really happened too, of them pulling a whole bunch of documents from the PLO out of this place to, to find out further leadership and, and what their network really was. Yep. Killing begets killing begets killing begets killing. Indeed. Help me understand the uh, the next scene, the beautiful countryside, and this man that they go to see. Lewis's man. Lewis's boss. Uh, Lewis's papa. Papa. Who is definitely his actual father. This is a family fucking business. Crazy, right? <clears throat> right? But they're well, powerful. They, they, you get the impression these are very powerful people. Oh, yeah. They definitely have some serious money and serious connections to be even being able to pull these kinds of names for them. Uh, but the big problem here is that they paid, you know, Avder paid a ton of money for these three names who these guys ended up being in Beirut. And then this big, very much known internationally as a Mossad operation happens. And that's a big tip off to Louis and his family of, hey, are you really not working for Mossad or a fucking government? Because we just handed you those names and then a government operation happened that killed them. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if we can trust you anymore. And that's when he's like, my papa wants to speak to you and smoke their cigarettes. Yeah. They talk cooking. We know that Avner is a cooking man. What do you, what do you think of the cooking part that, that like that discussion in this film? What do you, do you, what do you think it means? Do you think it's fucking, just as I, a, go ahead. I love the line where he's talking about, oh, let me see your hands. And he looks at me, he's like, ah, they're too big to be, a, to be a, like a master chef. He's like, and I have the same problem. We have butcher's hands, <laughs> but we want to be cooks. And I'm like, fuck, that is such good dialogue. And I, 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 like, I like how he's basically just pointing out the, the circumstances. That it's butcher's just a hands of, with gentle souls or something? Yeah, butcher's hands with gentle souls who want to be chefs, but we're good at something nastier. 
Um, and that's just, it's like a matter of circumstance and a matter of where you are. Because when you think about it too, the whole idea behind all of this as well, these national identities, these collectivist identities, I'm a Palestinian, I'm an Israeli. Like at the end of the day, it was just, you were born on this patch of land and I was born on this patch of land. So now we fucking kill each other. Yeah. Like, what? That's the most absurd fucking thing in the universe. And him pointing out just the odd circumstances of, oh, you were born and you are, you have these characteristics and that makes you a good at your work. And that's what you do now. And that's yep. just a matter of fate and, and <laughs> arbitrary destiny. Yeah. It's awesome. Papa reiterates that they don't work with governments. He also says that you can call me Papa. And I like how Ivan's like, no, 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 I have one. So I can't. And he's like, oh, well, your Papa must be proud of you. <laughs> must mm-hmm. be proud of his son. Oh, it's so good. I mean, I like that right there because that proves and it, it comes back later. Papa brings it up where he's like, he's a loyal man and he respects that loyalty in him. Yep. Blow up trains, trucks, full of Germans are in the war. So we get the impression he was part of the uh, French resistance. Yeah. And he uh, and then goes on to talk about how all of these things just keep changing hands with different governments all committing atrocities. It doesn't really matter. Nobody's Nobody's that much better than the next. Yep. Yeah. And just scum replacing scum. Exactly. We paid the price and the Nazis could scum. be replaced by Stalin in America. God damn, that's quite the indictment. <laughs> <laughs> damn, son. This guy's a true anarchist. I can I let the cut of his jib. <laughs> uh, and then there. his go ahead. I was going to say Louis being such a little shit. Where he's like, all right, uh, you say grace, and he's like, oh. Lord, we, uh, we appreciate compliant clients who do as we ask and don't lie to us. And he's like, come <laughs> on, stop being a dick. Say, say the actual grace. Yeah. That's just uh, good stuff out of Papa, you know. You've made millions from this. He's like, well, in my despair, I fathered madmen who dress <laughs> like factory workers but never do manual labor and who read nonsense and spout pompous bullshit about Algerians and who love nothing. Not Algerians or French or flesh and blood or anything living. So I have sympathy for a man who can say, I have Papa. And who does what he must for his family or something like that, right? Right. Because he understands doing it for his family. Fucking calls him a minotaur or some shit. I love it. The minotaur. You're a minotaur in your labyrinth. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, he's, he is, I agree. He's a great fucking character. I really like him. Um, but also at the end of the day, I also find it strange the way he thinks about like, ah, he's a man doing it for his family. But I'm like, boy, dude, you don't even realize yet. And he does by the end of the movie that he is working for Mossad and he is working for a state's interests and murdering on behalf of a state. I'm like, well, in a sense, he's doing it on an individual level. He's doing it to feed his, his child and his wife. But where does it go beyond there? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think his point is is they're all going to murder each other anyway. <laughs> I might as well make some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, like take a guy take a guy like that. He was he's a he's a Frenchman. He was part of the French Resistance, and these guys are you know over here doing their shit. He's like, yeah, fuck them, kill each other. Go ahead, yeah, save me the funny. trouble. <laughs> so bon- so bonkers, man. Seriously. Uh, so many, so many great pieces of dialogue him from him though. Yep, we'll do business, but you aren't family. Yeah, you are not my son. Remember that. Yeah, it's fucking strong. Big dick energy out of Papa. Big Papa dick. 
Big Papa Jack coming down like a big baguette across your face. I slap it on your face. All right. Where to now, mister? This is your movie. <laughs> well, this is when he, you know, he first gets the tip off about Zaid Muchasi, Black September's KGB contact. Hmm. And boy, this is, this scene, is a bad this, omen. This is a crazy scene. Absolutely. But, you know, he talks a little, you know, Louis talks to him about it a, a little bit there of like, this, this is an important target. You can get him. And, but uh, by the way, he's already the replacement for a guy you've already fucking killed. And thus begins the whole <laughs> Hydra nature of this. Whole oh thing. boy. You chop off one fucking head, two more sprout up. How many more times are you just going to keep lopping off heads willy nilly? Yep. It never ends. Never ends. Um, who is this actor? He's really good. Uh, which one? The guy who plays Ali. Yeah, he is solid. I don't it's really good. recognize him. But um, fuck, what is his name? Uh, Omar Metwali. Hmm. Oh, Omar Metwali. oh, he's on Mr. Robot. That's his uh, current thing, right? Oh, he's also on The Affair. You said you watched that, right? I did. That's he's why doc- he looks... Dr. Vic Ula. Okay. Yeah, he's a New Yorker. Born in New York. Oh, Mr. Robot. You just said that. Um, hmm. That's a bunch of shit. Cool. I was wondering. Nah, he's good in this. Yeah, I thought he was good. He's Egyptian. Oh, okay. There we go. We also the setup for this particular assassination is that they are going to use a white phosphorus bomb, and it's actually made out of grenades. Hmm. Um, so the problem with this one is he's like basically that these are unreliable. They're old. They're World War II era uh, grenades, so they're already you know a good fucking thirty years old at this point. And he's saying so we have to dump the rest of these because only four of them are even viable, uh, and it's kind of just a little more of a risky. Risky situation, but they have a porter at the hotel who's actually going to let them into the guy's room. Mm. This is pretty wild. Do you think they expected to run into them like this? Oh, are you talking about the, when they're they're sleeping? Yeah, dude, absolutely not. And see, this is one of those 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 great moments uh, about Louis and his papas, like right. basically not giving a shit about who they they do business with. Like, like, hey, we don't ask questions; we just do business. You 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 pay you pay us, and we provide the services you pay for. That's, That's right. And here are some fucking PLO dudes coming to stay in the same Dude. fucking safe house. That is some crazy shit. And what a great little Mexican standoff scene we have here, man. <clears throat> this is so wild. Nobody uh, gets uh, shot here. That's insane. Right. Which, again, I also think pretty damn realistic. Nobody wants to fucking get shot. I think I, I think this situation happens more often than than movies portray of we're just pointing guns at each other because nobody actually wants to pull the trigger because right. you know it's just going to kick off, you know, fucking oblivion. Mm-hmm. The two the two hardos are Steve and that other guy there. I don't know. He's, he's unnamed, unfortunately. He's just an unnamed part in the movie. <laughs> they put their guns but they, down last. Yeah, all these dudes, you know, they say that they're PLO, but uh, Avner and all his boys say they are ETA, and I'm actually not sure what that stands for. But I, I think they're 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 saying there's something else. I think that's a separatist group, right? Is that? Yeah, I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah, but they all put down the Uskarita Askata Suna was an armed leftist Basque nationalist and separatist organization in the Basque oh, country. It's- Spain, right? Yeah. Group was founded in 1959. Um, yeah. Killed 829. No big deal. 
No bigs. Yeah, okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it, for for them, the lie just establishes that like, hey, we're just we're a different set of terrorists fighting for a different <laughs> cause, and we're just living. We're also staying at the same house. Let's all just chill. We're not here to kill you, even though we totally are. Yeah. This leads to one of the better parts of the movie, which is the discussion between Ali and Avner. Ah, oh, so good. And James Bond refusing to uh, to let the radio yeah, just play yeah. Arabic music, and I love that they all kind of silently agree to. All right, Al Green's pretty good. We'll let those play. <laughs> like, all right, that's fine. That's fine. They won't that's help when Egypt and Syria attack, even Jordan. Right. Israel will cease to exist. It won't be like 1967. The rest of the world will see by then what the Israelis do to us. This is a dream you can't take back, a country you never had. You sound like a Jew. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Avner right here is pretending to be a German mm-hmm. person, a German guy uh, with the ETA, I guess. Yep. I love I love how Ali right away is like, you sound like a Jew. <laughs> Just like, Ugh. Yeah. He says, oh, you'll die in a prison camp. He's like, well, our children will have children. Yeah, man. You know, we'll make the whole Dude. planet safe for unsafe for Jews. You kill Jews and thinks you're animals. Yes, but when the world will see how they've made us into animals, they'll start to ask questions about the conditions in our cages. Right. This is the philosophical side. You are Arabs. There are lots of places for Arabs. He just laughs. You are a Jew sympathizer. All of you Germans, you're too soft on Israel. You don't hear that every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, at this point, hey, in the 70s, the Germans are so busy trying to atone. <laughs> like, ah, I'm sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. <laughs> we're still sorry. Yeah. Tell me something, oh, Ali. <laughs> Do you honestly think that it's worth it, that chalky soil and old ruins. Is that what you really want for your children? Mm-hmm. And you got to, at the end of the day, regardless of how you feel about any of this, got to admire just the fucking absolute dedication in Ali's answer of it <laughs> absolutely is. Like, no hesitation. Ooh, he ain't playing, is he? Not fucking playing. I don't care if it takes 100 years, we're going to win, we're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, he says, how long did it take the Jews to get their own countries? How long did it take the Germans to make Germany, right? Mm-hmm. And and he makes an interesting point of talking about like you you say all this you say it so easily but you don't know what it is to not have a home all you European Reds don't get it you say it's nothing but you have a home to come back to home is everything mm. that is that is again that's the kind of fucking zealous commitment that just will beget violence forever like you're you're not gonna killing one dude is not gonna stop that mentality yep. We want to be nations. That's it, man. It's a powerful thing. People's desire to be seen as a, a validated, you know, respected nation against the rest of the world. Yep. They <clears throat> love being collectivists, don't they? No, they do. They're Dude, fucking committed. Tell, help me understand the action of this scene. Does he just run in and toss the white phosphorus in the fucking room? The old he thing? sure fucking does, dude. Holy <laughs> shit, man. Sure fucking does That's what's so, so insane intense. about that well for one yeah they all immediately get pissed off at robert because his bomb doesn't go off right away or it doesn't go off at all technically um and that's when hans is like fuck it and just gets out of the car walks past all the dudes in the street who are kgb operatives mm-hmm. because uh, the, their target their particular plo target is the plo contact for the kgb uh so he's actually got russian kgb officers out there with him Breezes right past him, walks into the dude's room, and just pulls the pin on the fucking grenade and tosses it in there, and even shoves the guy back Dude. into the room and shuts the door 
just in time to not fucking get incinerated himself so by white phosphorus. That is a serious fucking temperature Dude. that thing runs at. By the way, seriously, that um, another thing I love about this moment is him struggling to pull the pin. Too often we see yeah, the man. pulling it with your teeth that just isn't possible. No, no, that, that whole teeth thing. Yeah, you would tear your fucking teeth out. Not That's total made up bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I, th- I can't remember it exactly. I'm guarantee you, I learned it on mail call with Arlie Ermy. But I think the the pressure to pull a pin is like 20 pounds of force, something like that. And I'm like, dude, you will absolutely yank a molar out of your head before you fucking pull a pin with a grenade with your teeth. It's 10 pounds, but still, that's a, a lot. That's that's still a lot with your teeth. Yeah. Yep. That's dude, nuts. Yeah. And this scene, after that, breaks pretty fucking bad because <sighs> then it's just an open shooting in the street uh, and they end up icing a fucking KGB officer, mm-hmm. which is no fucking good in the 70s. Yeah. That's that's bad news for you. Yeah. Well, that's when they start getting got. Ooh, pretty bad, man. Yeah. But again, these the, the exchanges, what do you think of just the exchanges of, of gunfire in this movie? I mean, I feel like, again, even the a sounds... Lot, there's a, a lot of it's good and some of it's a little ticky-tacka just, just because of the... Just because of... The, the, the stuff on the set just because there's a couple times where they're the, the pistols are like got really weak blanks in them and i think it's right here when Sarian hines is reaching across steve oh and he's shooting and it's a little goofy but otherwise i think it's pretty solid overall i think um, it's pretty solid the, the, the use of sound of is pretty solid um yeah the chaos and just the way it erupts and the madness it's just like oh my god just pistol fights in the street Right, and also the fact that like there's not a lot of running around and dashing back and forth. Like they're each on just opposite ends of a car, ducking and popping back up and shooting at each other. And again, yeah. Yeah, that's it's like the a, way real shootouts fucking play out, man. People are staying behind cover. A lot usually. of people miss, and I think it's just that like if I shoot you first, yeah, I don't need to run to cover. And they, so he just pulls and, and he starts ripping shots at the guy. That's it. But, I mean, how many actual shootouts have these guys been in before this? Who knows. That's it, exactly. Like, they are not soldiers. They're assassins. They're supposed to go up behind somebody and pop you in the back of the head, and that's it. Like, they're not, they're not ready for, like, full-blown, protracted shootouts in the street. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, there's a lot of chaos on the escape, and did we kill a Russian is brought up? That's not good, you know? No. Hmm. We've had a lot and of fuck-ups. They start to see the fallout from this again when they see another attack happened i think it was a uh, uh, an israeli embassy i'm pretty sure this one was <laughs> yeah where there was another In... plo just firing into a basically a passport line <sighs> fucking brutal but this is also the moment where louis gives him the tip off about salami the biggest the biggest target on their list and he's there talking to his cia diplomat his cia contact and avner is so pissed he's like he's fucking cia He's like, no, he just, you know, talks to the CIA to basically guarantee that he won't kill American diplomats and American agents. Mm-hmm. And they just give him money and don't ask what he uses it for. Yeah. I'm sure they'd be like, because we'll fucking blow you away. That's Which... it. Or like, hey, don't fuck any of our guys or we'll fucking kill you. Also, if you make sure you don't do it, here's some money. Have do fun. me a favor, though. Don't do that because we'll turn your country into a fucking parking lot, though. It's true. <laughs> no. But um, CIA but it is, big But stick. yeah, I, I like how after it's like, man, there's just, it's, it's, it, the complications begin become so apparent. Like, ugh. Right, right. All of it, just a big web of a mess. Uh, Hans, sorry, Carl brings up, do you know how many laws we've broken? 
<laughs> and this laws of the state of Israel. Right, right. And this is where he starts to get into the you know the real big disagreement with Steve, mm-hmm. talking about their behavior. The, you yeah. know, this is unless we learn to act like them, we will never defeat them. Basically, justifying like we should be fucking barbarians. We yeah. should fucking go after them with you know severity. And Carl points out we act like them all the time. What you think the Palestinians invented bloodshed? How do you think we got control of the land by being nice? Right. Yeah. Oof. Like, I think Carl, to be honest, Carl strikes me as the most self-aware and probably just aware of the broader history. He's of the been around longer. Right. And, and, and I think it's just very familiar with the, the wider story. Whereas a dude like Steve is just, he strikes me as more just, a, I'm a focused soldier doing my job. And Carl's the one who's like, eh, I'm a little skeptical of the whole thing. I'm doing my job. Don't worry. But I, I see the bigger picture and how absurd a lot of it is. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Um, let's talk about the botched hit. Oh, yeah. In dude. the rain. The fucking- of course, it's fucking raining in London, Mike. Like it always dreary, Lord, they <laughs> Oh, God. But, dude, the fucking CIA guy. I understand guys. that you have a terrible time in your country, but try to imagine my plight. I mean, look at the weather. Look at the weather. It's a fright. Yeah. <laughs> dude, the fucking Burr. CIA interception on this is so fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. They, I didn't know that's what it was at first. What's that? I didn't know that that's what it was at first until they explained it later. I was like, whoa, the fuck are these guys doing? Right? It totally is, though. It's 100% the CIA keeping an eye on on this guy because they probably already are very aware the Mossad's after them. And so they're like, all right, there's the Mossad. Run some interference. Roger Burke, you ugly fuck. What are you doing (laughs) in London? So So American. So American. They're so obvious. Put them up. Put them up, you fat, wet puss. Come on. Show me them limey fucks who had to fight. Just they botch an assassination. They stop an assassination by being big fucking silly rednecks. Love it. <laughs> Just coming up, be like, ah, what's up, you big idiot? God bless him. Oh, fucking fucks. You're welcome. So by the way, all of yous Dude, out there. I love that all these guys' names in the credit too. They don't have any character names. They're all just belligerent American. <laughs> belligerent American one. Belligerent American two. Yeah, that's what they are in the credits. That's hilarious. They are. (laughs) And yeah, they stop Abner and Steve runs over and Salome gets into a fucking cab and rides away. And that's that. Fucking Americans. As they drive by fucking flipping them off. Dude. Did you catch that? Yeah. Wait a minute. (laughs) One of those guys is Richard Brake. Who that? He's an actor in, um, the fuck did I see him in? Holy shit. Richard Brake. Richard Brake. He was in Ray Donovan. Oh, okay. I still haven't seen that. He's the fucking Night King in Game of Thrones. What? Holy fuck. Holy shit. That's sick. Richard Brake. Richard Brake. He's some he played he was in Supernatural. He played Luther Shrike. He was in a horror movie, I swear. 31. Doomhead. Yes. Yes. Dude. Look at stills of him in this movie, Doomhead. It's a really weird movie that I kind of dug. Um, and he, when, when you see images of him in the movie, yeah. in his makeup, you go, dude, this guy could be fucking Joker. Whoa, I'm looking at it right now. He Holy could be shit. Joker. Yeah, It's a really weird could. movie, and I liked his look. I, I, he has a great voice. Um, 
Yeah, dude. Yeah, I watched this. I watched this with a uh, listener and supporter, Dave. Dave from Westport. I don't know if he wants his last name out there, but um, he's a friend of the show, friend in real life. And um, yeah, it's a really weirdo movie, but I always liked him in it. I've only seen it once, but he just looks, I'm, I'm trying to find that. There's so many fucking stupid images. But yeah, just yeah. This the is way, definitely the part that got him uh, Night King. Jesus. Dude. His face. His, tell me he couldn't be Joker. No, 100%. Look yeah. at that fucking image of him. Yeah, and he's got a great voice. Yeah, Doomhead is the name of the character. Pretty wild, man. Yeah. Fuck. What a weird, like, side, what a, just a weird cameo. Dude, Richard, I mean, uh, well, I would say Richard, uh, Steven Spielberg, man, he, even for his bit parts in his movies, can just get anybody <laughs> at this point. He can get anybody. Yeah. Everybody wants to be in a Spielberg flick. Pretty cool. That's a really cool picture of uh, break. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Should we, uh, should we meet the old honey trap? God, yeah, we should. God damn, this woman is good mm. at her job. <laughs> this girl, this woman is good at her job. Catching, making eyes at Avner across the bar. You know, they've had some setbacks. He's feeling low. And there she is. This girl, wait, 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 wait. wait. You're telling me that if I betray my country, you'll just give me a sniff? Done. <laughs> just one. <laughs> ah. Ah. This is a great scene. It is. It is. She's fucking And Abner, I think true to Abner's character, he is, at the end of the day, a very deeply loyal person. And he is very loyal to his wife. He's like, I just can't. And you you can see the temptation running through his mind a little bit. He's a fucking human being, dude. He's a human male. And this is a smoking hot woman who's definitely like, hey, so you want to come on up? This requires a lot of fucking willpower. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And he resists. And, you know, hey, if you come to my senses Carl later, doesn't, I'll... though. Old Caesar wants to get his pickle kissed. That's it. But also, dude, the dialogue, which is essentially the last bit of dialogue we get from Carl in this movie. Um, but he talks again about, you know, I knew guys like you in the army. Uh, and, you know, basically the only thing you're scared of is the stillness. As long mm-hmm. as you're running, as long as you're in the midst of a war or midst of an operation, that's when you, you're, not, you're not doubting, you're not hesitating, you feel okay. But once you're in the quiet and the stillness, that's the thing that scares you guys. I know you guys. Yeah. And fuck, is he right? Yeah. Because I think that's a part of what we see from Abner you know, throughout the movie too, especially at this point, once things start, are starting to spiral a little bit and get a little out of control, is he almost presses forward even harder than his superiors or even the rest of his team wants. He's like, no, let, let, let's get them. Let's get the guy. We're going to go for Salome again. I don't care. We're going to keep pushing forward. We're going to get the woman. He presses forward so much because I think it's just like Carl says, once the mission stops, once it's all over and said and done, that's when it's all going to come collapsing down on him and on his conscience. I think when he knows he's in the midst of it, I'm just in the middle of figuring out how to get the job done, the practical you know, issues around it. How are we going to get the money we need? How are we going to find out where they are? And just working through all those, you know, mission oriented details that makes Abner feel in control and feel decent. Um, I think like, like what Carl warns him about, it's when you're alone with just your thoughts that this shit's going to start to feel different. Mm, which is what we see in the next scene. When he talks to the wife, he breaks down. Good stuff out of Banna here. Oh man. I think he's fucking great. And I think the scene is fantastic. I mean, once his little girl, you know, does a little dad to him, it just cracks him. I mean, he can't help it. 
Yeah. It's brutal, man. Yeah. And he was there the day of her birth, got to see her, and now it looks like she's already probably, fuck, a year old. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Crazy. So little time. He has a breakdown, and we see these guys getting moved to the airport, right? They're getting loaded into vans because we're cutting back to the original hostage stuff. That's right. This is, and I think it's an impo- it's important that it pops up here that Avner is probably the lowest he's been so far. You know, feeling disconnected from home, feeling far away from his wife and daughter, and barely getting to know them, and <clears throat> the mission's starting to get scarier and more out of control. And that's when he, at night, dreams again of basically the, what happened, what kicked this all off, everything that happened in Munich, and how horrible it went down. He goes back to the bar. I think he had a moment of weakness here. I agree. I do agree. Yep. I think he was at least at least going to talk to her more, probably even more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then he starts tracking her like fucking werewolf, man, like like Logan. I was just about to say fucking Wolverine. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> Where's that? Hey, hey, bub, seen any hot snatch walking around here? <laughs> and, I need um, some snatch. He finds no, he old catches, Caesar. Dude. Finds him in his room. The way this is framed, too, him just laying there with like that little halo of light over his just his head, laying there naked, pulls up his head, and it's just nothing but blood behind him. Yeah. Been dead for a while. Is Sarah, is Sarah Hines, I mean, are we seeing, like, is he circumcised? <laughs> are we trying to find out? Just saying. Uh, I mean. I can't throw as, that one up on YouTube, but. As far as I can tell. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. say no. All right, all right. But I can't really tell. It's dark. Might want to check his Jew credentials. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the hardest I have squinted at Sierra and Han's dick. That's for sure. Mm. I've never, never squinted harder at that. <laughs> but um, boy, this is intense. God, yeah. He just fucking screams into the sheets. Ah, oh, it's brutal, man. He did not resist the lady. No, he did not. Oh, Louis, Louis knows this lady, though. Papa knows the lady. No problem, dude. Here's a freebie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. She's Dutch, <laughs> not political, entirely business-minded. This one, we're going to give this one to you. <laughs> you, can just, you can just take that. This uh, is for all your hard work, baby. <laughs> uh, I love the way Papa says it, too. We inhabit a world of intersecting secrecies, and we live and die at the places those secrecies meet. That's what we accept. That's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, too, with Goodfellas. Yep. Of like, these are just, hey, man, it's a cold world, and these are just the rules that we all work by, and sometimes yep. it comes back on you. That's it. That's right. We, if we don't, we, the whole fucking thing comes tumbling down. That's it. It even goes on, you know, we buy information for you from your enemies, and that alerts them. Like, they doesn't, we don't have to tell them. Uh, just the fact that those names get a, are obviously being acted upon, those people are turning up dead, your enemies now know they're being hunted. Amen, not the doggy. only people looking for names. Amen, doggy. <laughs> and uh, they board the train. Robert stays behind. He's got second thoughts about this. Indeed. Indeed. Also, real quick before we go by it, this is also the first time they pull out an envelope with a picture of Avner getting out of a car. Basically just kind of giving him a heads up of like, hey, other people are looking for information on you. Right. That's a great point. But, dude, this is this is a, a great moment from, from – I, dude, suffering thousands of years of hatred doesn't make you decent. That is – that's fucking some true shit that I oh, yeah. honestly think people don't say enough. Like the idea of like there, there is 
a whole, I feel like that gets caught up in and in, in, in kind of distorted in discussions about things like this of being like, well, you know, they've had it so hard. They've had it so hard. So, but <laughs> and I'm like, dude, no, no, no. The past never excuses what you do now. Never. It doesn't matter what happened to you. Like that, that is just a total like shucking That's of the conservative of you, Matthew. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, your circumstances matter and it makes for you, but it doesn't, it doesn't give you a get out of jail free card forever. Just, There's no virtue in accident, is there? No, absolutely not. There's no vir- virtue in having been persecuted. None. It's an unfortunate bad thing. Yeah, and yeah, sometimes restitution is, is called for, but at the same time, that doesn't mean you get to persecute other people and have a freebie. Mm. And that's what I love that. That's what he's concerned about. Where he's like, that's that's not what I was taught. You know, I I didn't. You know, I don't know if we were ever decent. You know, I I want to keep my soul, and he feels like that's what this is. He's like, I'm, we're supposed to be righteous. This is a serious fucking kill. Mm. This is, in a way, the most starkly awful kill. It's fucking brutal. It really is, man. It's also just so intimate and quiet and just like she's walking. Oh, it's so personal. And I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's it was personal for them. They this is the first murder they've taken part of because they lost a friend. You know, one of their guys. And so they are good. This is straight up. This isn't just revenge for Israel. This is revenge for them. Like they are taking personal. Yeah, this is very much a personal thing. 100%. I mean, they, they even talk about it later in the movie. He's like, we did that off the book. That is not on you guys' account. That was our own fucking side mission, basically. Um, but yeah, it's dude, funny because it was free information and then a free kill, basically. Right, right. He just handed it to him. I like this idea of, of the, the decency to cover her. Right, right. And Hans um, is Hans like, Hans doesn't <laughs> want it. Ooh. Let her pussy show. <laughs> Let her dead titties show. Let it show. One of the one of the things you talked about in the um, Atomic Blonde was this idea of depicting a woman's nudity in death, and you know we talked and made jokes about it. Um, and I thought about that when I was watching the scene. I was like, I wonder. I, I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about it um, because Atomic Blonde is more like of a schlock kind of film, right? Right. Did you did you have any thoughts about this particular moment in her death? Did, did any of those thoughts return to you or? Um, I mean, I do. I, I like that it comes back again later in the movie when Hans actually regrets it. Me too. Um, that it's like, that it's just a, it's just an insult to injury. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's all Because it's like, a personal, are, it's personal. Absolutely. It's absolutely personal. But like. That, they is, know how they found their friend, right? Right. They found him naked and that's how he was laying there. But there is, there's just an undeniable fact of you are stooping to a lower level when you do that. Like, I mean, you've already committed the worst thing. The worst of it is done. You killed someone. That's irreparable. It's done. You've done the crime. But to add that to it, it's just like an extra level of like, for one, I think that's another whole thematic element of this movie, the idea of barbarism like not just violence and the continuation of murder for murder for murder but the savagery of the murders getting worse and worse and worse and more out of control and more more you know disrespectful of just like human dignity even um and i feel like that's kind of what this is too of just like now fuck it like let her let her be found in the least dignified way we can that's just like an extra spit on the grave it's and because at the end of the day too you know your enemy is going to start doing the same. They're going to start treating your fucking friends, dead bodies in worse ways as well. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I wonder, uh, I, it's, it's a, it's 
It's in, it's obviously, uh, go back to the mafia examples of, you know, putting somebody's balls in their mouth or wherever the fuck, like Oof, what, what, yeah. whatever the message is for that particular murder, murder obviously being the worst. And then it's right. just tacking onto that, the, the other parts of it, the, the particular gruesome nature of something. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, um, I think she tried to give them pause by revealing her breasts. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Nice fucking tits. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real pity. I got to ruin that titty with a bullet. Fucking tits. She tried to persuade the men not to kill her. (laughs) But um, that didn't work because she murdered her friend. That's it. And uh, yeah, I do. I do like Hans's regret later. I like him considering that that perhaps that went beyond the call of duty, so to speak. Right. And I mean, and this, this scene is just so haunting to forget. Like she gets shot, you know, they shoot her in the chest and in the throat. And then she Oof, just gets stumbles. up and walks, walks by them. And even like Daniel Cray is like, oh, just wait, wait, just stay here. Just like talking to a person you just shot and you're in the process of killing, saying, just stay here. Like, don't make it worse, basically. But let's, Damn, you know. she sits they, down. Oof. Oh, it's fucking done. And I mean, Hans comes in. That and is just in her head. brutal. Yeah, so awful. they let her when, gag yeah, a the bit. The blood starts actually coming out because she can't breathe. It's getting in her lungs and shit. Oh, that's yeah. a bad sign. Yeah, You're pretty much done. Yeah, and they kind of just watch her. Hardcore, hardcore boys. Ugh, and then he brutal, poop, does her in. It's interesting that he wanted the the coat, the house coat open, but also was the one who sort of gave her mercy. In the, in, on the one hand, you know, it's yeah, complicated shit. True. I mean, you don't know how you're going to react in that moment. Ugh, yeah, absolutely. Hard this is where they also. Yeah, back to dinner. Back to dinner. Boy, Avner is already kind of losing it here because they're like, Jesus, dude, you're cooking for a million people. What are you doing? There's three of us. He's just cooking. <laughs> he's making me banquet. fucking hungry is what he's doing. Holy shit. I'm starving at one eleven in the morning. <laughs> I agree. I haven't eaten dinner yet. I'm just <laughs> staring at the so food. so hungry. Like, Fuck, that looks good. <laughs> I want a big Jewish banquet. Where's mine? <laughs> I got shit. I'm going to go fucking eat crackers after this. Fuck. Um... Yeah, it's uh, this is sort of like where these guys start running into trouble. Well, they, they're even talking about the cost. They're saying we've spent close to two million dollars by now doing this, and we still have, I think, five targets on you know that are out there. One of them in prison, and you know what are we going to do? We, we we've got a <laughs> Avner's the one again, like I was saying earlier, who's like, nope, that's it. We got to get them all. We got to keep going. I need all eleven dead. And Hans is even like, so if all eleven were dead, you'd stop, <laughs> like finally. And he's like, yeah. I would. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you believe him? Um, partially. I do. I think he. I think he would stop. I, I think he would probably even I, like he does in the movie. Like I think he would probably stop. Maybe even leave the Mossad. But that's when, like Carl was saying, that it would start to close in on him. The reality mm-hmm. of what he's been doing. Yeah, I think he wants out at this point. I think he wants it to be done. Right, and I feel like that's him pursuing. He wants to at least say at this point, with the cost of a you know a friend's life, let's at least complete the mission. Yeah, to you know to make what we've done quote unquote worth it. But Hans gets got. The actor's Dude. name is Hans, by the way. Pretty cool. I know, right? It's weird. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, man, he just disappears, and they find him on a park bench, and you know Abner leans down, looks at him, knife, got knifed out, stabbed up real nice. That sounds like some KGB shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Left on a bench, stabbed to death. Fucking brutal. Brutal. 
Yeah, man. great, great shot of all three of their dude. Think about that. Like the shot of them when they sit down next to his body, they just kind of sit on either side of him and just pause for a minute. Three fucking dead men in a way when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they, that's what they feel like at least. They, like they, it is indisputable at this point that they are being fucking hunted. They're being hunted down just like they've been doing. Yep. You're going to sit next to your dead friend and wait when you're, to when you're next. Yeah. Richard gets it next. Oh, man. So brutal. While, meanwhile, cool oh, yeah. You know, Avner's sitting there paranoid looking through his house, wondering if there's a bomb in the phone, cutting open his mattress and tearing it apart to see it. if there's anything inside of it. Like, just thinking about the fact that it's, it's based, his fears and even his precautions about those fears are all based around the things he did to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he now knows what to look for because of how he's been killing other people. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he's looking at everything, trying to figure it out. Um, that great shot of him sitting on the bed with the gun in his hand. And then he goes into the closet, just like the story he heard. And that's oh. right before it's cut against Robert getting blown to smithereens. Oof. Somebody got into his house and rigged up one of his own little toys. To slick. Blow that's him up. slick, man. That is some, oof, some heinous shit. That is fucking, that is hardcore shit, man. God. And he just gets the call the next day. There it is. Yep. Robert's gone too. I like this um, recurring thing of Avner looking at the kitchen set. Mm, right. I mean, that, that comes back again to what Papa was saying of like, you, you, you have the gentle soul of somebody who wants to be a chef, but you, your practical realities and your circumstances have landed you somewhere else. And all he can do is wish for, I just want a fucking nice, peaceful kitchen to myself and my family mm-hmm. to cook food for them. But I'm out here murdering fools. You could have a kitchen like that someday, right? Doesn't Louie tell him that? That's it. But paid yeah. for by what? Yeah, it costs dearly, but home always does. And that's what he's... Yeah, such fucking good dialogue in this movie, man. That's so fucking solid. Mm-hmm. That, that's the whole basis of all of this, the idea of, of home and who's fighting for the, the, the patch of soil that they consider home. Yep. And uh, they try to go get uh, Salome. Another fucking abortion. This is a mess. They fucking. This is a. Fucking I love disaster. one of the one of the details of this part that I love is when they're sneaking up on the house. Again, very offensive in blackface. But what? when they sneak up on the house <laughs> and they cap this kid on the side of the head, it's oh. just a cool and brutal detail because you know movies always want to sort of be a clean like this is very much like a mafia moment. This brack side of the head kind of an awkward hit, but obviously does the job. Oh yeah. Um with that fucking rifle at that range. And they're like, shit. And they just run. Because this guy has serious guards. Dudes on the balcony outside open up with AKs, and they just have to run. They abandon the rifle. Oh, yeah. Louis even warned him, too. He was like, dude, going after Salome here is fucking dangerous. He's dangerous. got all of, all of his precautions, all of his guards here. This is a dangerous mission. And when you think about it, that also shows the commitment from Avner at this point being kind of unrealistically zealous of like, dude, you are down to a two man crew. You know what it is? I think it's him trying to get it done. He wants it oh, to 100%. be over. Absolutely. And but he's I think, willing to go in early and, and recklessly. And recklessly. That's the key here because he's down. This is, when you think about it, this is the most dangerous it's, one they've attempted yet. It's, and it's they are utter, the least. It's utter insanity to do it's this. It's insanity. And it, they're the least equipped they've ever been. Two men two rifles and you are facing a compound of dozens and dozens of armed guards. Right. 
And also, not to mention, even just the shot on Salome is is pretty compromised. He's in the middle of a party with like thirty people, and, and even Steve is like, "Are you sure? Are you sure that's him? You've identified him. You're one hundred percent." Yep. It's a yep. mess, man. That to get way too close for a rifle. I mean, you're in the fucking, you know, you're in his backyard. <laughs> it's too close. <laughs> too many guards. Uh, um, this runaway transition to this really um, softly shot, bright, r- right? Did you catch that? Yeah. It's, what it's what like, a transition. What a contrast. The LOD going, airport. Yeah. Going from him like <clears throat> in dark face running, you know. It's got a blur night. to it. Yeah, it does. It has like almost a soap opera like vastly sure. on the lens kind of look to it. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys are like, oh, we're not supposed to know you, but we know you. We, we're, you know, we, we look up to you basically yeah. is what they're saying. It's an honor to meet you. And it's just like, uh, <laughs> I, it doesn't feel honorable anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great zoom on him. He shakes her hand. He's respectful. He's a very oh, yeah. good boy. He's a good boy. He's, he's a, a good he's boy, a boy especially scout. when he's murdering. But um, good yeah, boy. it's um, it's quite the homecoming as you'd imagine. That's one of the things that that makes that's one of the good things about the movie is that one of the benefits of the length of the movie is this sort of feeling towards the end here. I still think you can achieve it, but the sheer length of the movie makes you feel the weight of the mission. Yeah. When he gets back, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I mean, it feels just, like a lifetime ago. Right. And just the, his face at this point in the movie too, it, it looks different. I mean, he, his eyes just seem sunken. He seems more pale. He just mm-hmm. looks different. He does. Yeah. Ephraim is, Ephraim is like you great, except for the one on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't have done that. That was an unapproved side quest. <laughs> yep. Um, Steve's still alive, I guess. Yeah, he made it and was singing the praises of uh, Avner. Yep. So yep. he's gotten he's got nothing but commendations here, but they can't give him a medal. That's for sure. He's like, this is off the record. You're not this getting is, a medal. You get a pat <laughs> on the shoulder. This is off. They won't work with you because <laughs> he wants the sources again. That's right. He wants the sources, and that's Avner again. His character, his person. He's loyal. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna. He's not gonna go against Papa and Louie and the agreement they had. It's just like a, he's that kind of man to man handshake kind of guy. Of like, I know you're my superior. I know I report to you, and you want these things. But I agreed with them that I would not give those things. So I'm not. Doesn't matter if you're mad at me. Like he's a fucking loyal, loyal dude. Yep. What did you learn after the generals thank him? <laughs> Tell me what you learned. <laughs> yeah. Tell me the names and numbers of your sources. He pushes on this idea, man. Really does. And he, Avner, does not let up. I can't give them to you. I don't work for you. I don't exist. Yep. Think that would have been a good way to end it. Ah, you think so? Maybe. Hmm? I I mean, I I know we got to get home and do it, but I'm just saying we're two hours and 20 minutes in. As far as a final shot, like literally like the closing shot, that would actually be cool. That moment of like, I don't exist. I can't take glory or any of this. I think we know he's going to be troubled when he gets home. I think we know he's going to have concerns about maybe being hunted. Um, and, and I think maybe we should have already shown the crazy shit at the airport. I know that's very important because it's so fucking brutal. Like, I do think you need to show that part. But I don't know if you need all the other stuff. Maybe. I mean, maybe. But I liked it a lot. But but the stuff with the mother is, is intense, man. Yeah, man. Because this, this one very much feels like when he, when he sits down to talk to his, his mother, 
it feels like Avner talking to Israel, like the idea mm-hmm. of Israel and a home for his own people, his family, everybody he's connected to. And she talks about basically like, we prayed for you. And that to me kind of speaks to this whole idea of like the defender of Israel, the defender of our people. Like you're what we wanted. You're what we prayed for. You did this for us. Uh, and I think it's a very, you know, an interesting telling moment when he's like, do you want me to tell you what I did? Do you want to hear what I did? And she's like, no, <laughs> I, I want, I want you to have fought for our home, but I don't want to hear about what it took. Mm. Jewish moms, man. <laughs> she's intense, man. <laughs> Fucking intense. Whatever it took, whatever it takes, she says. That's a hardcore bitch right there. Yeah, she ain't playing. <laughs> um, obviously, his troubles at home. He gets to see his daughter, which is awesome. He's looking very fit, by the way. But now he's looking at cars. He's he's having a tough go in Brooklyn, right? Right, dude. Yeah, when he when he stops at the tree looking at the car following, just holding your fucking baby in your arms. Ugh. I mean, he's he's coming unhinged a little bit there. He even goes as far as to call Papa and demand, yeah. you know, like you're you're not after me, right? This is not this. <clears throat> and honestly, I think it's a really telling moment from Papa where he's like, "Let me promise you this. Listen carefully. No harm will come to you from me." And that's it. That's the end of his phone call. And I think that's yeah. incredibly telling of basically like, "Hey, look, I'll never hurt you, but I know there are people out there who want to hurt you. Like, it's not going to come from me." He goes to the goddamn uh, uh, the Jewish dude and the um, he's, he's oh, the God. consulate. The consulate. That's it. Yeah, fucking straight up demands. Uh, just marches in there and says, "The fucking Mossad better not be messing with my family. I won't hesitate to kill other people's children. If you hurt my child, if wives hurt, you know, I'll hurt their wives. I don't care. I'll go to the newspapers." He's fucking coming undone, man. Yep, a lot of stress. He so much stress. Tries to work it out on his wife's puss. <laughs> and dude, uh, that is that is some intense sad shit right there. That like even even when he's finally home, even when he's finally making sweet love to his wife, yeah, you are still just thinking about the sprayed blood violence done to your people and the violence you've done and you're just thinking about it. Can't yeah. stop thinking about it. And this shit, this fucking shootout, man. When the cowboy hat guy gets it, is that the guy, by the way? Which guy? Salome. No, no, Salome is the guy they never got. Oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. The guy with the cowboy hat kept showing up. That's why I was just like, that. his death is great. Oh, yeah, when he just gets sniped. Well, it's just so awesome. Like, we, you know, we talked about this in Apocalypse Now, like falling weird. Like, True. boom, in the chest, he just kind of slumps down, done, and then whap, takes one in the head. Damn, right. Dude. Fucking brutal. You ever see um, Hell or High Water? Oh, hell yeah. That movie's fantastic. Dude, that, don't spoil it. But there's a particular sniping moment in that, in the way that dude falls. You're like, fuck. Just pump. Yeah, man. Holy shit. That's such a good movie. Fuck. Great, we should great movie. That, I love that movie. <laughs> Put it on the shelf next to AOD. <laughs> but man, this what, dude, this fucking straight AK in these guys chained in this thing. <sighs> Man, unbelievable, man, unbelievable! Talk about fucking zealotry to where you can just stand and you can there. Tell it's it it fucks him up. I mean, look at his face. Oh, the second guy more so. The second the first guy. dude. That the guy's first dude, ice water un- in his veins. Oh yeah, ice water doesn't give a fuck. Sprays them all and then tosses a grenade into the helicopter without even so much as a thought. Yeah, he ain't playing. <clears throat> I mean, that is some serious again, <sighs> like. 
lay down your life for the cause shit. Like you're getting sniped at, you know you're going to die in the situation. You're like, I'm still going to kill them. I'm not going to let you guys have that. You're not going to get this win. Yep. Oof. That is in that is that is just such a mindset that is so outside of our safe fucking first world 21st century safety. That is a, a mindset that we can't understand, man. That's intense. Yeah. I think we understand it academically. We just don't experience it. Right. But I mean, I I can't, it's just one of those things like, I can't imagine being that fucking, all right, I'm going to slaughter these five just dudes, innocent people just sitting here tied up, staring at me. And I know I'm probably going to die in the next minute or two, but I'm going to fucking kill you all to make sure they don't get that. Yikes. Think back on Apocalypse Now, the arms. Exactly, dude. That's it. That really is it. It's crazy. Fucking but crazy. Um, our boy goes home, and then he has a meeting with our guy. With Ephraim. You know we what, wouldn't what, hurt you. Yeah, what's your take on this ending? It's, yeah. What does I, it say? Honestly, honestly, I had forgot. I, the one thing I remembered about this final scene was just the setting and where they were and how, we, you know, you see the Twin Towers in the background tellingly. Um, but I had forgotten about this conversation, and I, so I was really thinking a lot about it here and I think it's definitely purposefully ambiguous. I feel like there is a kind of vague threat underneath it all um, of like, okay, look, we're not, we're not even going to hurt you. you know, we're not going to go out of our way. But also, we don't see you as one of us anymore. So be careful. Like He's basically saying you're not going to return to Israel. You're, you're, you're in exile. And you also have intimate knowledge of something that is top secret for us. So tread lightly. Uh, yeah. there, there's definitely a menace here. Yeah, I also think it's a, a sort of divorcing himself from the cause, so to speak. As far as Abner goes? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that's definitely, I mean, he talks a lot here, you know, for the first time of like, we should have arrested these guys. Like, we, we shouldn't have just killed them. We shouldn't have just summarily executed them. Uh, don't people have a right to a trial? We did that for Eichmann, of all people. And, yeah, you know, are we replacing to... Israel leadership or Palestinian leadership with this killing? That's, right. a, that's a hell of a question. Seriously, man. That's that intense. A, Tell me what we've done. You kill them for the sake of a country you now chose to abandon. <laughs> yeah. If we let these guys live, Israelis die. That's Ephraim. He doesn't. He doesn't think about it any more than that. Mm-hmm. That's enough for him. Yeah. But this is where he says, you know, did we kill to replace the terrorist leadership? He also says we just like we, they just replaced them. That was something said earlier in the film, right? That kind of comes right. back here. There's he no end. About- there's no peace at the end of this, no matter what you believe, is what right. Abner says. You know it's true. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to say, every man we killed has been replaced by worse. And mm-hmm. without even flinching, you know, Ephraim just responds, oh, my fingernails keep growing even when I cut them. Should I stop? Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the case. Maybe it is. He's basically acknowledging, yeah, it's going to be endless killing, but we have to maintain that killing to be safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of a position to be in. Fucking crazy, man. But yeah, he refuses some breaking bread with him. He calls him Sabra, which I believe just means he's a Jew born in Israel, right? I I think so. I was, oh, I was trying to look that up earlier. Um, but I also think it, it, it means somebody outside of Israel, maybe? Like a Jewish-born person, an Israel-born person who's outside of Israel? I'm not totally sure. Sabra is a Jew born in Israel. The term first appeared in 1930s referred to a Jew who had been born in the land of Israel. Since he's savaging on it, let's see if there's uh, in culture the pr- uh, prestige of the Sabra increased. Yeah, it's prestigious, I believe. Mm. Yeah, unlike the 
what was it, Yaki or whatever? Yeah, that one's a little more, you know, spit at him. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, just but but Ephraim refuses to break bread with him, and that kind of just says that they're done to me. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. That He's he like, sees... my loyalty is to Israel. I'm going back to Israel to continue to do what we do. And you and, won't do it, so I'm and, done with you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Never good enough, huh? Never good enough. Whole None of the 11 Palestinian bullshit. men originally charged for assassination were killed. That's it. And Salome was eventually got in 1979. Yep. Not surprising, sir. Not surprising. Well, there you have it. Boy, oh boy. Fuck. We did your movie. <laughs> well. It's a hell of a film. Hell yeah. You ready for some uh, listener comments? Yeah, there's a couple on there. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I got one from Mr. Zoeb Ali. He said, I know Matthew is jizzing everywhere for this flick, and I'm jizzing with him. Post-2000 Spielberg cops a lot of shit sometimes. Crystal Skull, I get it. But this movie definitely shows that he's still one of the greats. Spielberg's forays into historical events are often fantastic. See Bridge of Spies and The Post for more recent examples. And this movie is definitely not the exception. This also spawned one of my favorite moments in Knocked Up. Fuck, I'm trying to remember what the reference to Munich was. It knocked up. It's been um, if we get laid, it's because of Eric Banner or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, as a Jewish dude. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Um, keep it running, bro. Run, go to Fritz Kelman. You want to do that one? Ooh, where is he? Fritz Kel- Ah, there we go. Uh, he says, I have been waiting for coverage of this amazing movie. As a boy, my dad took... Uh, took me to Germany and I got to tour the Olympic village in München. I saw the dorm block where the terrorists carried out their evil. No words can adequately describe the feeling. It was some 13, 14 years later, but there was an odd spirit over the place, like a heavy, wet woolen blanket of dread and death that would not abate. I only felt that in one other place on this earth at Dachau. Did you say München? uh, That's actually the German pronunciation and that's how he wrote it. (laughs) I'm not being a cock. München. Go for it. (laughs) Um, he goes on this movie speaks to me so much as my dad survived a concentration camp during the war though not about the holocaust it does center on a tiny group of people backed into a corner to the fight or flight breaking point it is a brilliant movie that should be required viewing for high schoolers in my opinion hashtag patient vengeance boy oh boy damn good comment Fritz got it anybody you'd like to read no I was going to let you handle it your people Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one just uh, one more uh, opposite perspective from Jason Tick. Thought it was very bad. <laughs> the pacing was atrocious. The film length was annoying. Just not at all what I was hoping for going in. I'm glad others enjoyed it. I just couldn't get into this one. It felt like a chore to finish it. Hmm. Well, there we are. Not everybody loves this fucking happy go lucky movie. <laughs> Where do you land on on the scale? Ah, I love it, man. I love this movie. Cool. Very I like high it. on it. All right. All right. Was it the length that bugged you more than anything? I don't even know. I, I never really, I found myself looking at my watch too much, to be honest with you. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I like it. it it's it's funny. I, what I find interesting about this movie for me is I, I consider it gripping. Like I, it's one of those movies that kind of glues me to it the whole time. And I'm always kind of surprised when people are like, ah, it kind of slow for me or boring. I'm like, really? I'm like, this is one of those movies that just has me focused on it. Are you sure Munich is pronounced Munchen? It's like in the German word. It's like they have that. It's the the umlaut U. It's like Munchen. Mm-hmm. 
That's how it's spelled. M-U-N-C-H-E-N. It's the German spelling. München. Munich. Make sure it's not. Munich. All right, maybe. I don't know. München. Munich. Spell it right, you fucking krauts. I don't know what to tell you. Bayern Munich. I just think of the soccer club. <laughs> Bayern Munich. <laughs> spelled München. So, anyway. Strong clothes on this one. <laughs> now that we got that all taken care of, what are your final thoughts on this? I don't think I have any. I think I've spent myself... Waxing yeah. poetic about this one. <clears throat> Honestly, I feel pretty spent. Um, I agree with Fritz, though. I think it should. Uh, this is a this is a movie I feel like is fairly overlooked, even though it's a Spielberg movie, um, and it you know it caused some controversy and some acclaim when it came out. I feel like it's mostly not really talked about much anymore, and I'm always surprised by that. I I mm. have this really high regard for this movie. I think it's excellent. I don't feel like there are too many. Movies even like it. Uh, it has the kind of trappings of a spy thriller movie, but it gets into a much deeper, darker, interesting territory. And I I think it's excellent, man. There are not too many movies that dive headlong into the fucking Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Because that that's usually shit that people don't want to touch with a 50-foot pole. Um, and I kind of admire this movie for just wading into it. And there are plenty of people who don't like this movie because of what they feel like its stances on the conflict are or taking sides one way or the other or being too soft on both or this or that. But I, I still just commend it for getting in there and having a perspective on it and just telling a fucking interesting, complicated story about it. I like your style, kid. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it. It's definitely very thought provoking. I thought that, uh, we had some good thought provoking discussion, uh, for a lot of this, which was fun for me. And um, I'm happy that it was uh, bountied for you by people you don't remember. That's awesome. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a piece at, of shit. I know. At, at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was awesome to discuss. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I like Eric Bana. I think he's pretty awesome. Yeah, me too. He's solid. Yeah. And uh, good stuff. So thanks again to all of you being as lovely and intelligent as you all are so that wraps our coverage of munich mr anderson indeed yes uh, next time on the podcast we are going to be covering the witch oh <laughs> dean's baby. gift yes ah uh, dude Beautiful. yeah and, um, yeah, all I'll say before we go, Matthew, is does thou want to live deliciously? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out next week. Tune in. LibertyGeek.net. You guys have a good night. Bye.